Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Put the children to bed. It's time for Dan and Aldo to bear their souls. I love the Chicago Bears more than I do masturbating, and that is a lot. Then, with three seconds left, Bob Avellini throws a 30-something yard touchdown pass to Greg Latta, and the Bears win, and I literally shit my pants. I swear to God, I literally did. <laughs> Eric Kramer, for me, I love the guy. He's a tragic figure. I mean, he embodies all that is. If they don't run the ball here, I'm going to vomit. I swear to God. I don't mean any disrespect. He just didn't play that well. Not for a guy of his caliber. You know, they won, but I'm, I'm going to be miserable all week because they stunk. I don't, I don't really have any recollection of that at all, but I guess perhaps I blacked it all out. So, Dan... Tape is the ultimate tool for scouts and for coaches to evaluate players, to detect plays and so forth. And they spend hours looking at tape, right? Why do they so often get shit wrong? Ladies and gentlemen, Dan and Aldo. I think you Let's go. are pissed off. That's what What's I got that? out of your uh, texts and uh, tweets and stuff. I I got the feeling that you were pissed off at the whole thing. I don't I don't know. That might be too strong. Okay. I hope we get to bring Aaron on because Aaron has a similar opinion to me. It's not so much that I want him to back up my opinion. Mm -hmm. It's just that it was good to hear. I felt like I was in such the minority that it was cool to hear someone else just with a similar view, he may come at it from a different perspective. I know he wanted to come on, so I hope we can get him. He will be um, on in about uh, 45 past the hour. Good, good, good. Um, the thing is, like, I heard the call mm -hmm. for – how do you pronounce the guy's name? Does Do we call him – it starts with a V, but maybe it's pronounced with a B. Is that right? No, Valus. It is Valus. I thought I heard people calling him Bayless. No. Like Skip Bayless. Okay, so yeah. Valus. Yeah. I, I heard his phone call with the – with the coach, uh, Eberflus, mm -hmm. and it made he was so emotional that it made me feel like a, a real motherfucker for like <laughs> being upset about his draft pick. But even then, it wasn't so much personally toward him, even though I pointed out that he felt like sort of a gimmick. And that's the thing that you know Ryan Pohl said last week in his press conference that he wasn't looking for. Mm -hmm. So I thought this feels like a Ryan Pace pick. But the reason that I had a little bit of uh, trepidation with that pick or hesitancy or reticence. 
I was reticent. Whatever analogy you want to use is because I felt like the number one problem was the offensive line. It's been the number one problem since like our Super Bowl team of 2006. Mm -hmm. Every era since then, the offensive line has fucking sucked. Mm -hmm. That and the position of safety. So I was not upset, unlike a lot of people, that the second pick was a safety Mm -hmm. because I thought, man, we've been needing to address this for almost – 20 years, Mm -hmm. the position of safety. But in the first pick, I get it. Everyone said, wow, he's still available. He's there. So go ahead and get that corner. We need corner help. So I thought, well, the third pick has to be a lineman then. Has to be. Mm -hmm. Because that's what we need more than anything. But I get like, ooh, you took a corner that wasn't supposed to still be available. Mm -hmm. So you had to take him. Okay, we need a safety too. Okay, so now it's got to be a lineman, right? Mm -hmm. Wrong. Now it's a wide receiver that probably won't even start. Now, I want him to start. I want him I want him to make me buy his fucking jersey. But I wish him well. But I just felt like we should have started in on the line. I know some people are going to say, well, you can't fix everything in one draft. And 2022 doesn't matter. And I take umbrage with all of that. Mm-hmm. Your number one problem is your line. Please interrupt me and tell me where I'm wrong. Well, uh, you're not wrong. It's your opinion, so you're definitely true, not true. wrong. Um, somebody in the chat room, Nomad, asked Wes, Dan, if he knows who Valus uh, Jones was before the draft. And uh, Dan has always said, I, I don't follow college football. I don't know the draft and so forth. So he was just offering up a gut reaction based on his history. And I, I'm explaining this for you, Dan. Based no, you're on, right. Everything you're saying is correct. Based on your history and your relationship with the Bears, you see where, where things have gone in the, wrong in the past and uh, you're concerned that history may be repeating itself. I totally get it. But I'm also, uh, I get angry, not at you, but just at the atmosphere of it all. By the time Sunday rolled along, I was just so tired of the negativity, so tired of people on social media being the experts. I would have picked this one. I would have been saying, I've been saying this all along. I, 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 I. And it's like, guys, can't you just evaluate, go to work on finding out who these players are, learning more about polls and, and his principle, learning more about what transpired in the draft that forced Ryan Poles to make these choices. So, for instance, a great, great uh, example of that was offered by Brad Biggs. Brad Biggs was on WSCR, and he was asked, you know, why wasn't Fields given any help? Here's his response. When you're looking at help for Justin Fields, well, you had nine offensive linemen going round one, and then seven wide receivers had come off the board before the Bears were up at, at 39 overall. You had six go in the top 18 picks, and then Green Bay was one of those teams that aggressively traded up to the top of round two to get Christian Watson. So you want to help your, your quarterback out there. You're looking at your pick of the 10th offensive lineman or the 8th wide receiver. So I, I think they had to play to the strength of the board. So that's exactly what happened. I went back and looked the six uh, in terms of guys who were drafted, who play the offensive line or the wide receiver position, 15 of them in the first round, uh, Carolina, Econu, the giants with Neil, the Falcons with London, the Drake London, the wide receiver, Charlie cross, the offensive lineman to the Seahawks, Garrett Wilson, the receiver to the jets, Olave, the receiver to the saints, 
James Williams, the receiver to the Lions. Kenyon Green, the offensive lineman uh, to Texas. Now, at this point, we're at 15th, which is about the middle of the draft. Jahan Dotson, the very next pick, uh, went to Washington. Zion Johnson at 17, 15, 16, 17, and 18. And 19 were all offensive linemen or wide receivers. At 24, Tyler Smith. A lot of people thought he was going to fall to the second round and he would have been there for the grabbing for the Chicago Bears. So many people love Tyler Smith, but no, he was picked at 24. At 25, the Ravens picked Tyler Lindenbaum. At 29, Cole Strange, who a lot of people thought the Bears maybe could find at 71. He's picked at 29 by the Patriots. And then in round two, the Packers trade up to get Christian Watson with the second pick of round two. And then with the 11th pick of round two, Wendell Robinson, the scat back type receiver out of Kentucky goes to the Giants. And then John Meachie goes at number 12. So by then, that board that Ryan Poles had created, I bet you that out of these 16, 17, 18, 18 players, I bet you that 12, 13, 14, were, maybe, not, maybe not 14, but around 12, were rated above the second uh, the, the pick they, they got with their first pick in the second round. And so the, the board was devastated by the time Ryan Poles got along. So he had to stick, stick to this board. And Dan, as you said, this safety position has been a wreck. When we finally got it right with Eddie Jackson and Adrian Amos, Pace lets Amos go. And then Eddie Jackson Mm, you know, uh, of course, the loss of Vic Fangio. He got paid. He yeah, got he got paid. paid. And the, the loss of Vic Fangio and, and a- Adrian Amos affected his play. He didn't play at, He hasn't played at all since 2018. So they did the right thing in going corner and safety. I, I, I do think. And then I can't take exception to either one of those moves. I agree with what you're saying. But if I could just give you an analogy. Sure. And like the guy in the chat room, he's right. I, I don't watch college ball, so I didn't know that kid. And I and I don't pretend I'm not pretentious about that. I'm not a college football fan. I see some games. I don't give a fuck. I mean, honestly. But okay, if we if I told you I had a problem with my roof, and we were going to Home Depot or Lowe's or whatever store that you know you get your stuff with, and we get there and we say, oh man, but I wanted this kind of material, and uh, apparently it sold out. COVID, whatever. They couldn't get the shit in. Okay. Would I suddenly divert my money to maybe? You know, well, let me go ahead and just buy some shit to repair my uh, uh, my uh, privacy fence. Then maybe I'll go ahead and start uh, painting that. But I'm ignoring the fact that I went there for my roof, and even if I couldn't get the materials that I needed, I still needed to get some shit to help my roof. Mm-hmm. So I hope that analogy is somewhat applicable in conveying that I'm saying that the line is my roof. Mine is protecting my shit, and my shit in this situation is Justin Fields. It's David Montgomery or whoever running backs that we drafted for. You know, it seems like we have 13 running backs now, which is, again, why did we take it back there? Who the fuck knows? But I will say that Ryan Pay or Ryan Poles, Ryan Poles, not Ryan Pace, Ryan Poles deserves the benefit of the doubt. I'm just telling you what I felt, and I'm just a guy. He's way more qualified than me. But going into it, I thought our number one problem was that line. But he's the GM. I'm going to support him. And I'm still going to be positive going into the season. I I still do not concede the fact that we're going to be shitty. I don't think so. The schedule is going to be much easier. Our quarterback is going to be better. We have a shot of winning this division. And maybe I'm just a fool. No, I don't think you're a fool at all. I, I, I think, you know... 
I think I think that we all rush to judgment, and you know sometimes we need to kind of take a little bit step back. Um, and I I I simply feel that we have to give Ryan Poles the benefit of the doubt because this is his first draft. Because you know it, it, it's we it, when he explained the process of how he sat down with the entire scouts team and they had anonymous, you know, yay or nay votes on, on certain players. And then they all worked together to put their board position by position and did it horizontally. Who's the number one best player? Who's the number two and so forth. They went through all of this and all of these scouts, you know, spent hours and hours and hours on the road, talking to players, talking to the family of players, talking to teachers and coaches and friends and so forth and accumulating all of this knowledge. I want to give all of those people the benefit of the doubt that they may have gotten it right, even though certain players that I liked better than Valus Jones were picked uh, after Valus Jones was picked by the Bears. You know, th does it make me angry that we didn't get Tolbert, uh, the wide receiver I fell in love with over a month ago? It does. Of course it does. But Valus Jones, I understand within the scheme of things why they wanted him. He is, you know, that kind of special gadget player with – outstanding speed he runs a 4.31 where as Roy and Poe said wherever he lines up the defense is going to be accounting for him because that's what speed does you know it Dan Willie Galt right what did he do for the Chicago Bears he never had put up sensational stats but just his no, presence when Jim was quarterback he was going deep to Willie mm -hmm. yeah he but, was our guy that took the top off the safety ex I mean, he exactly Exactly. And he was necessary. A lot of, I remember back then, I mean, I was in my what twenties, uh, mid twenties uh, and people were critical of Willie. Why doesn't he catch more passes? Why does he score more touchdowns? And I'm like, dude, you know, it's just his presence on the field is, is worth points. So um, I, I just, I just feel like, you know, let's, let's hold off judgment. Let's take a look at these players. Let's learn more about these players. And maybe they feel like, Hey, you know, Borum and Jenkins are pretty damn good. We have promise. We, we feel that they have promise. Cody Whitehair is stable, you know? And so there's a couple of other guys that could be available via free agency or via trade and so forth. The roster is far from uh, finalized yet. So we I, still have to get a right guard. Mm-hmm. You still have to get a right guard. Absolutely. Let me play a, another soundbite from uh, radio shows that I heard. This is, uh, <laughs> um, which one is this one? Uh, this is, uh, again, asking the question, was Justin Fields a priority in this draft or not? And uh, I forgot who was talking on this one. I also It's uh, the Dan Bernstein show with Adam Hogue. I also like the idea of not kowtowing to this narrative of do whatever you can do to get everybody for Justin Fields, protect him, find him targets, maximize him, where it seems like they've got bigger things to do. And it's not a slap at Justin Fields at all. I, it, it is them. It is Ryan Pohl saying this team is very far away. They have a lot of needs. The last thing they can try to do right now is try to retrofit this roster, any roster, to, to this kid. And if he wants to learn and be good and be better and justify a lot of our optimism, that's cool. But it, it tells me the my big takeaway was Poles knows how far away the Bears are. Well, there's a very small admission from him, too, that almost kind of got overlooked on Friday night, I thought, where he, 
he talked about this and he said in there, he goes, I, I know that we're not going to be able to fix everything in one year. Um, and we all know, we all know that, but just to hear the GM actually say it out loud was refreshing too. And so he gets it. Um, you know, I, so what do you think about what was just said there by Dan Bernstein in particular that, you know, perhaps there's so many other problems in this team that uh, fixing some of those problems was a priority over the offensive line? This is the same guy that a month ago or two months ago had that rant about I'm hurt, I'm playing, I can't run full speed and all that, that I just, we all thought like, where's this gentleman's credibility at, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I kind of feel that same way. I, I, I still, I take umbrage, but maybe I'm the meat, the meat headed fan that says, I don't, I'm not willing to give this season away, not just because I'm a fan. Cincinnati was just in the Super Bowl and they'd won what four games the year before. Mm-hmm. The the fucking the 1999 Rams were four and twelve, lost their quarterback, and suddenly had a new kid come in and he takes them all the way to the Super Bowl and they win it. It happens. I'm not telling you it's going to happen, but it's not as implausible as everyone's like, oh, it's just this foregone conclusion that the Bears are gonna suck. Why? Why? We've got the quarterback that we've wanted for fucking ever. The defense shouldn't be horrible. The secondary on paper should be much better now. Our linebackers aren't terrible by any stretch. Quinn's even going to be better at defensive end. He hated playing linebacker. So the defense should at least be comparable to last year, if not better, because they can get stops now on third and long, potentially, with the secondary. We've got a good running back. Everyone likes Mooney. Everyone tells me Cole Komet's good. I mean, and and they're not going to have the strongest schedule this season. Why can't this team win games this year? I no one can tell me other than the fact that they're just negative and it's the Bears. That's it. If 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 this were the, the Bears and Lions, both get that like, well, it's the Bears or Lions, so they're going to suck. But if we were Minnesota right now with the same roster, they would be picking us to be a wild card team. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, yeah. Well, I do think that it's a little uh, too early to predict the playoffs for this squad. I really do. I think that with the dramatic amount of changes that this team is employing, um, there needs time to get cohesion. It's like uh, in that last soundbite, Adam Hogue reminded us that Ryan Pohl said, we can't fix everything overnight. And so he is letting us fans know this is going to be a little bit of a process. It's going to take two or three years for us to but get But the number right. one problem, other than the line, was addressed in the bald fuck getting fired. <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's huge and people who are critical of justin fields or any part of the chicago bears team should know that the ball fuck was a huge part of the problem so that's been corrected and and for that we are grateful to george mccaskey and bill polian george mccaskey went to bill polian and said you know, what's the problem with my team and polian said the ball fuck the bald fuck <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <laughs> to help me find somebody to replace him and the other fuck, <laughs> the hairy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like I, when I hear Eberflus talk too. It feels like he's not. It feels like he's really comfortable in who he is. It feels like he's grateful for the opportunity, and he. But he feels like he's ready for it. Mm-hmm. Versus Matt Nagy just saying all this stuff because like he feels 
well, I got the job now. And even though he's not qualified, he's very arrogant as a result of the job. Mm -hmm. But most of his stuff felt empty. Like it didn't feel like he had any substance. Mm -hmm. It feels like this guy knows what he's doing to me. So that alone, better coaching, mm -hmm. a better secondary. Like, why can't we be hopeful? Yeah. Last year's schedule was probably the hardest the Bears have had in, you know, more than a decade on paper. I agree. I mean, and it's going to be easier this season. At least it should be. I, I just, I'm not willing to say that the Bears are going to be terrible. Maybe they will be, and I'll be the, the dumbass who, you know, who just follows along because that's my job as a fan. But I just feel like they're going to be better than, at the very least, they're going to be better than last season. I agree with that, but they might not have a better one and loss record, you know, and Don Burr, if you're here, I think you, you're here. I think you posted something a little earlier, uh, log out because I'm going to say something nice about your fucking team. <laughs> the Detroit Lions are improving themselves uh, and they should make a leap. I don't, th you know, the only thing that can hold them down is, is that the fuck that they have, the, the hairy fuck <laughs> that they have at head coach. Campbell, Dan Campbell, isn't <laughs> yeah, his name? Dan that's Campbell. his name. Um, and I, I think that the Packers may not, you know, are going to really suffer with the loss of Devontae Adams. I don't think Christian Watson is anywhere near ready to replace Adams if he ever can. And so that's going to hurt. But the Packers did help themselves on defense. And so I can see them, you know, being a similar team to last year. We'll, we'll see. But so the the strength of schedule stuff to me i never take it very seriously only because every team is different from year to year you make all these transactions the team that was last year isn't what the team next year so you got to take i agree i agree with a grain of salt the other thing i, I wanted to mention was um <laughs> there is one important thing when a, a general manager uh, scouts players and puts his board up and so forth and this is in relation to what Adam Hogg was saying, is the one thing that we armchair scouts and analysts and so forth don't have privy to is the character reports on these young men who are entering the league. I think it was a really high priority by Ryan Post to change the culture of this team. You see the amount of players that they drafted. They were team captains. You know, a third of these guys were team captains who were just uh, out outstanding attitudes. That that kid that we picked up, the safety, uh, what's his name, Hicks. Did you see the video that he put out, Dan, where he was like, I'm ready, I'm ready, and starts doing push-ups and stuff? I, mean, I didn't see that. Yeah, uh, I'll try to find it uh, during one of our breaks. I, this guy was was just you know, fired up to be coming to the Bears, and this guy might end up replacing Eddie Jackson this year just by attitude alone. And so he's brought into this organization a bunch of players who have a winning I will not stop playing until the end of the the echo of the whistle. I, Which is antithetical to Eddie Jackson. Yes, it really, really is. It's antithetical to antithetical to what the Bears have been for years now. You know, the, the Green, Green Bay Packers playoff balls on the ground. Nobody's going for it. That kind of stuff just kills me. These guys are professionals. They should be hustling everywhere. Kills me when on baseball a guy doesn't run out a, a grounder. 
to first base. It kills me when a guy in football doesn't go for a loose ball. It kills me when a, a, a hockey player is out for a 45-second shift and isn't skating hard. It kills me when I see basketball players loafing uh, down the court. It just kills me. These guys are m- being paid to play this game. I was a terrible player, and I tried to make up with it with hustle, just fucking showing people that I want to win. I will do whatever it takes to win. And some of these players don't do that. I think that the Bears are on their way to having a locker room full of Aldo Candias. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, full of guys who, who have great attitudes, who are leaders and want to win. So that the player that you I'm not just saying this to throw Cincinnati Red stuff in, but the, <laughs> when you were just describing it to me, I thought of Pete Rose. You know, just a yes. guy that probably isn't the most talented, but he's going to outwork everybody, and that's not a cliche. The dude was fucking sliding to first. Yes. Head first constantly, you know, always hustling, even in his late 30s. When I was a kid, the, the, he was one of the first superstars I saw play. Charlie Hustle would run to first base on a walk. After getting walked. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he ran full speed. And that, you know, made an imprint on me. Why aren't all players running to first base on a walk? Why, why uh, baseball just kills me because everybody seems so lazy, not everybody, but half the players in the league seem so lazy, you know, Um, but in football, there's just no excuse for that kind of stuff. All right. I want to play one other thing here for you that I think is going to really make you angry. (laughs) It's going to make a lot of, before you do, I want to ask you a quick question. Because you're talking about safety, and I just didn't want to get away from it. Sure. Did you see that one of the scouts were alleged was allegedly fired for the comments you made about the second round, uh, the the yeah. safety that we picked from Penn State? Yeah, Tuch was mentioning it to me before we rolled uh, the PhD comment. Uh, yeah, he was like poor and desperate. Poor hustle and desperate. I think or hungry and, and desperate. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like I don't think he meant anything. To denigrate him, he was just saying this. This is his entire livelihood, and the guy gets fired for it. Yeah, I I wonder, you know, if he wasn't also headed out the door, and that just expedited that. I mean, Mark Sadowski, who Greg Gabriel hired uh, when he was when Greg was director of scouting, he was fired yesterday. Uh, so, uh, two or three people were fired. One one was promoted uh, to co-director of player personnel, along with somebody polls is brought in from the outside but yeah certainly the phd comment from chris prescott the scout who said that uh, a lot of people were angry about it and he was you know he was fired rather quickly so i'm not going to comment on whether it was right or wrong to say that i got i do have a feeling that he didn't come up with that out of the blue i wonder if that's like a scouting term that has been used before because you you know you, you want throughout the history of sports some of the greatest champions have come from that kind of a background where they were poor and were fighting to get out of the ghetto to get, you know, and I'm talking about Jewish boxers and I'm talking about any kind of athlete of any color, any race, any ethnicity, you know, if they came from poor backgrounds, a lot of them, if they had the skills, they were fighting to be the absolute best. And so, you know, a lot of times things that were said uh, in the past that were acceptable in the past are no longer ex- acceptable because things are so, you know, super sensitive. I don't have to get into that with you or any of our listeners, but, no. you know, it, 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 it uh, I don't know. I, 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 I've come to the point here where I, 
you know, double check a lot of things that are coming out of my mouth because I've said some stupid things in the past here on Barroom Network, stupid jokes and stuff that people could probably say, yeah, I don't think you should say that. And, you know, who wants to get into that fucking thing all over again? People, exactly. People are after us. So, you know, did you see Bill Murray uh, had that where that movie set got closed down because of his alleged remarks to an actress? And he commented on it. He said, this give, gives me a lot of time to uh, reflect mm-hmm. and learn the things that I used to say exactly that were acceptable that are no longer acceptable. And I have to change with the times. Mm-hmm. He says, I know I didn't have malice, but people other than me may take it differently. So I have to learn what I can say and what I can. I thought his responses were genuine uh, as a result of this controversy. It appeared to be. Cliff Victoria asked if the scout was going to be fired anyway. We don't know that. There have been no reports of that, Cliff, Uh, but uh, maybe. I I said that maybe he was. I don't know. But I do want to play this. It's a little long. Uh, It's about four and a half minutes. This is uh, a clip from Mike Florio's show. (laughs) So, damn, prepare yourself. Uh, it's Greg that hates Mike, not me. Yeah, but you're going to hate Mike Florio after you hear this. So, okay, okay. Um, the, uh, uh, what show is this? The Parkinson Spiegel show uh, played the clip. They comment a little bit on the other end of it, and then I want to hear your thoughts. This is uh, from WSCR Radio. Did you hear Florio this morning? No. He doubled down. What did he say? He, dub- he said something dumb again. He, he doubled down. This is the kind of thing, and, and I got to make sure that you understand that this isn't true. That this is uh, let me hear Florio it. running with something that I do not believe to be let true. Let me hear it. If they haven't done enough and we get to football season and Justin Fields is struggling, is the narrative going to be, well, they didn't do enough to help him, or is it going to be, hey, Justin Fields stinks? And that's what I'm concerned about, that – once it's time to play games and we're in a different mindset altogether, we know when football season starts, all the stuff we talked about from February until September kind of goes away and we focus on the games that are in front of us. And if a guy's playing well, he gets praised. And if he's not playing well, he gets criticized. And there's more pressure and scrutiny of the quarterback than any other position. And I'm just concerned we're going to get to the football season and Fields is going to struggle and the narrative is going to be, man, they really blew it there. They should fire Ryan Pace again. Hmm. Not, well, you know, the new regime really hasn't moved heaven and earth to try to get the most out of Justin Fields. And I, I look, I, I know that, that some folks get really triggered when this point is raised, but you got new management now of the football operation. How motivated are they? How determined are they? How committed are they to get the most out of the guy that the last regime brought in? That's, that was my concern last year when they traded up to get Justin Fields. Like, you better give these guys time to let this guy develop. Otherwise, you get an awkward situation when there's a new regime. And what we're seeing from the new regime so far is they're not as committed to making the team better around the quarterback as some of these other teams are that have young quarterbacks. It's, it's, it's a critical stage of a quarterback's development. The Giants have gone through this with Daniel Jones, the revolving door head coach and offensive coordinator. And now here we are, year two of Justin Fields. And other guys have gone through this, too, where – you get yourself in a bad situation and those games start coming one after another, like chocolates on Lucy's conveyor belt. And before you know it, you're three and 14 and the label has stuck to you that you're not any good. And there's a new crop of quarterbacks coming in next year. And next year, there's a hell of a lot of great quarterbacks coming in. And sooner or later, you just wash out. That's the challenge. Giving the guy a chance to thrive before the clock runs out because the clock runs faster than it ever has before.
See, now that's that's a little funky. That's Florio saying there's going to be this narrative and then, of course, doing the narrative. Absolutely delivering the narrative and saying that they're not doing enough because they don't believe in Justin Fields. I don't disagree with a lot of what he said. I Where I stop short is I do not believe how Ryan Poles attacked free agency in the draft is a referendum on how he already feels about Justin Fields. Florio suggests and other people have made the point that if he believed in Fields, they would have done. They more. would do more to support him immediately. And because they didn't, they're not committed to Fields long term. I don't believe that for a second. I think Fields is what made the job attractive. I think that they brought in Justin Fields to consult over draft picks in the offseason, and he's been attending all of the workouts. Mooney went down and worked with him. Cole Komet went down and worked with him. Like, I believe that they are committed to Justin Fields as long as he continues to show a desire to be committed to. Now, if the Bears get the 11th pick in the draft and three or four quarterbacks are off the board, then it won't be a discussion. But I agree with Florio. Like, if they go 3-14 and 14 and have a top three pick in the draft and they have a shot at Bryce Young, like, it absolutely will be a conversation. Like, it just will be. Now, if, if Fields looks good and everything else is terrible, then they'll take a tackle or a receiver or trade down or something like that. But, mm-hmm. but if Fields looks bad and they have a chance to get a top quarterback in next year's class, we'll at least have the debate, fair or otherwise, because... That's how it works when you pick in the top five in the draft. Like The only places that have those kind of picks where they don't at least consider taking quarterbacks are where the franchise still fully believes in the quarterback. You know, like Jacksonville, no one talked about it because they had Trevor Lawrence. And, 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 there, also, was, and there was no quarterback worthy of taking number one overall this year. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But but also, there's, there's full-on conscious admission that Urban Meyer and that entire thing was an absolute disaster. And Trevor Lawrence had no chance last year because right. of the quality of the roster and the quality of the coaching. Yeah, but I, And but there I, should be that same realization here. What do you think, Dan Aguirre? I Well, Florio can have his opinion. I can't tell him that he's wrong. Maybe those whispers are out there. Maybe from... His sources, although Greg would tell us he doesn't have any, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> his sources may be speculating on this about Justin to him. Mm-hmm. I can't say he has no val- validity to what he's saying, mm-hmm. but my rebuttal is this. Why is it just immediately like, oh, what if the Bears go 3-14? and 14? I mean, I don't understand why that seems so realistic to so many people. I mean, three and 14, I mean, I know we were that bad in 2016, but for the most part, we've never been that bad. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's only when three games, except 2016, I do think fields is going to be better. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I don't know that there's this conspiracy to not help him. I'm sure polls, if he were on with us now would tell us why he drafted that wide receiver versus a lineman there. Mm -hmm. It would make it at least justifiable for my position. Like, okay, I see where you're coming from. If he really wanted to tell us why, which he wouldn't, and and he shouldn't, I guess. What I'm saying is he doesn't owe us an explanation, but I think if you're, you're extrapolating out that the reason why they're not drafting this is because they're trying to tank, I think that that's a false narrative. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Totally agree. This team wants to win. No general manager in the National Football League wants to tank games other than the guy from Miami. (laughs) (laughs) Which he is denied. (laughs) Which he is denied. Um, But, you know, I do think that at a certain point in the season, some general manager is going to, you know, going to tell their coaches or owners, tell their coaches, you know, let's start, you know, playing some of the other guys, you know, and and I'm not going to hold it against you if we lose. We need to see some of these other guys. Perhaps that happens. But I got to believe that everyone has the uh, competitive fire to want to win a football game, no matter who they're playing, no matter what the the uh, draft might look like the following year, no matter what, you know, you only get 17 of these. <laughs> and so you want to win as many as possible. You don't want your record smeared, you know, because uh, you had to play, you know, backups and, and to take a look at them. Everybody wants to win. And even when you're forced to play the backups, you're playing to win. You're coaching to win. You're, you're, you're devising a game plan that could upset the first place team if you're playing the first place team or whatever team you're playing. So I, I'm with you on that. I do think that Florio was a little bit out of bounds. You know, I don't think he recognizes the nuance of the situation. You know, that it's going to take a while, number one. Number two is that the team was helped. If you create a tremendous defense, what what helped Mitchell Trubisky the most in 2018? It wasn't anybody on the offense. It was the defense. And, yeah, I was going to say Khalil Mack was actually playing like the guy that we traded for. Yeah. He had a, he had an excellent season, you know, and and as the season went on, I thought he his play dropped off a little bit. I thought there was a little uh, you know fatigue going on there. Just like it was almost emblematic that first game against Green Bay Packers, Khalil Mack had one of the first, the one of the best first halves in the history of pro football. And it looked like he was the right pick at the right time. Yep. And then to bookend that, what you were just saying. If you go back and look at the stats in our playoff game against the Eagles, mm-hmm. he didn't do shit. Mm-hmm. No tackles, no sacks, nothing. He may have had one tackle. Mm-hmm. He was barely on the stat sheet. And how many times did we say that in 2019, in 2020, in 2021? Mm-hmm. So it's like he started the year who we thought he was. And we can use Dennis Green if you want to here. He was who we thought he, you know. And then the season ended with who he really was. Mm-hmm. Uh, J2K Larsonette says offense scores points. You know what? Defense scores points too. And and that's what Eberflus is is going to tell his defense. Get turnovers and then figure out how to get the ball in the end zone. That's what he that's that that's the way he coaches defenses. And defenses can give you good field position so that it's easier for the offense to score points. Special teams. This team has improved. The Chicago Bears has improved their special team plays, maybe not at the punter position yet, but with the players who are going to be running down punts and and trying to create turnovers and not missing tackles. I I think that was another thing that can't be underestimated enough is that this team – what the def- defender players, uh, the defensive players that they chose are known as good tacklers. How many times, Dan, have you and I just been pulling our hair out? Me more than you, because I got a lot less of it. Um, that you know, with the poor tackling of this team, and right, hopefully that's going to be resolved. You know, so if I make it out to Chicago this year, are you going to join me? I'm not saying I'm going to go to the Green Bay game because why waste my trip, right? <laughs> but <laughs> oh, yeah. if, if, for, if for some reason I was at the Green Bay game, like mm-hmm. we need to yell as many obscenities as possible at Patrick O'Donnell. 
Yes. You fucking traitor. <laughs> That's right. I think you should come for the Green Bay game because I think you and I, you know, can send the message to Aaron Rodgers. Own uh, this, I'd motherfucker. I'd probably get kicked out of the game. That's the only person in the world that I would want to heckle the way the Detroit Pistons fans were heckling the Pacers in the 4 Malice <laughs> at the Palace. Oh, yes. <laughs> Throw beer at him. Fuck him. You know? <laughs> yeah, you and I would be spending the night in a Chicago jail. <laughs> yeah, I'd have a, a fucking triple I, you know, criminal history. Oh, uh, Well, uh, hopefully in about five or ten minutes, uh, Aaron Mikulski will be joining us, and then uh, as soon as Tooch is ready, he'll be uh, joining us, too. Uh, do you want to talk at all about this Olin Krutz stuff? There's a lot of people in yeah, the Yeah, I don't know the full story i know the gist of it i know uh but you can fill in the details for me like mm -hmm. who was it he allegedly punched do we know why mm -hmm. yes uh the details as reported by the athletic and the chicago sometimes is that uh adam hogue and another producer uh at the chgo studios were talking about uh olin's reaction to the Bears draft, and there was video circulating that Olin walked off the set because he was upset the Bears had not selected an offensive lineman in day two. And Be smart. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, he, uh, Adam, uh, was saying, you know, I think overall uh, uh, Olin was too critical of the draft. Allegedly, that's when uh, Olin Krutz walked into that office and overheard that. Words were exchanged, but pretty quickly, I believe, if I remember the account correctly, uh, uh, Olin uh, charged Adam and grabbed Adam him. Hogue? Adam Hogue, yes. That's amazing to me. Yeah. That's almost as, as uh, like that clip uh, we played on the show a couple years ago when Brandon Marshall was trying to fight Carmen DeFalco. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, go on. Go on. I, I, I had no idea it was at Hogue. That's incredible. Yeah. And, and so uh, – uh, they fell backwards. I believe Hulk fell backwards. And um, it, I don't think he was, he had his hand on his neck for a very long period, but they got up and they started to talk and Adam was fine. And in fact, Adam said, we should still do our show. We should still do our podcast. What today. a pro. Because they were scheduled to do a show immediately afterwards. But the management at CHGO said, you know, we're calling a meeting here. And they, when they walked out of the meeting, they chose to, uh, uh, a fire Olin Cruz are the allegations or the reports as again reported by the what, what a fucking pro Adam Hogue is to be willing to do the show with a man that literally just committed allegedly an act of battery on mm -hmm. you yeah uh it is uh, I think a very classy move by Adam and I think you know Adam felt like I perhaps Adam felt like I understand you know this uh, the attitude that o Olin carries and maybe I spoke out of turn I don't know what uh, I'm just speculating here but I guess that's why they didn't do a podcast today then because normally they drop one on Tuesdays and I was gonna just listen to some kind of I ended up going with the the Jason uh god I can never think of his fucking name uh you like him he asks good questions um Leisure, uh, Jason, Jason. Leisure. I, I was going to listen to why, you know, why I was brushing my teeth and mm -hmm. shaving and that kind of shit, just mm -hmm. to have something in the background. Sure. And I noticed that Hogan Johns, I, I hadn't listened to any of their stuff like uh, for the draft. They didn't have one today. Mm -hmm. So I thought, wow, oh, that's kind of weird, but maybe it's because Hogue's mm -hmm. trying to let this die down then. Well, the interesting thing too, another interesting aspect of all this is that, you know, Olin, who has been working hard to build a, a media career here in Chicago, he's got other jobs. NBC Sports Chicago is one of them. Uh, he does uh, hits with uh, WSCR. 
Um, and so he's on the score, right? Is that someone yes. you were referencing? I didn't know their call letters. Yeah, SCR. And so are they going to fire him? Uh, and so they've been reached for comment. They have no comment at this point, so they're probably thinking it over. When I listened to the Parkinson Spiegel, Spiegel show on WSCR, both of them felt like they would love to have Olin uh, on and 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 not uh, pay repercussions for for this. I think you know if Adam Hogue didn't want to file charges because there was an erroneous report that Adam Hogue you know was filing a restraining order on Olin. I think that was a gag. But uh, so if Adam Hogue didn't didn't seek police charges, criminal charges against him, and wanted to do the show immediately afterwards, maybe there's a way to resolve this so that. Olin's career in communications is not ruined. So did he grab him his throat allegedly then? And he started to choke him. Yeah. I, I, I think that's exactly how it was, but I don't think it was a choke. He didn't punch him then. No, no punch. Just grabbed him by the throat. When was the last time you had a physical altercation with someone, Dan? <laughs> um, I had a guy that was fucking with my, well, she wasn't my wife yet at a concert. Oh, really? And I'd forgotten all about this, mm -hmm. man. But J my friend Jeremy had the video. We were at another concert in 2016. And he was like, you remember that time you fucking slammed that guy? And I was like, no. Mm -hmm. And he had video like some crowd surfer. And he said he kept coming over and kicking Marissa. And he had kicked her like four times is what Jeremy said. I had no memory of this. But he had it on his phone. Like he came over us again. And I looked up and I was just like, you know, fuck you, motherfucker. And I pulled him down mm -hmm. as he was crowd surfing and pushed him on the ground, which is embarrassing. Uh, but I have no memory of that whatsoever. Mm. Zero. No memory whatsoever. So you were told this happened, huh? No, he's got video of it. Oh, my God. <laughs> he's got video of this. And I was like, bullshit. I don't remember that at all. And I would remember that. And he's got a fucking video of it. <laughs> Can I see that video, please? <laughs> He's got it. I don't have it. <laughs> hey, if you're listening, what's his name? Jeremy Vaughn. Jeremy Vaughn, please, please. I'll give you $10. Send me that video. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty incredible. But uh, no, like I, I do everything I can. A, I don't want to go to jail. Mm -hmm. B, I'm old. So mm -hmm. I'll do what I can to avoid fighting at this point. You know, I mean, fuck, I'm in my 40s now. I might blow a knee out or something. Yeah, don't don't fight. No no need for fighting. Um, I, but so, that's what I was telling you last night in the the uh, voice message. I was like, man, Olin, if I'm for, if I'm gonna be forty two on Halloween, mm -hmm. Olin's got to be damn near fifty. Yeah, for sure. And he's still out fucking people up, you know. <laughs> I mean, I know he's a badass, but at some point you think he's got like six kids. He's a husband of, you know. He's got a media career. He's wealthy. Yeah, you know, he's from Hawaii. He's out chilling in the sun. Yeah. You know figure he at some point would just like kind of his intensity would would just you know level out or something. Mm -hmm. You know what's funny is uh, yesterday on the Gabriel Talks Football Show we were talking about one prospect you know uh, who uh, has been uh, has had a difficult uh, college career with off the field activities and just screwing up. I forgot who the player is, and uh, Greg says, "Well, if Olin was on the team, he would take care of him quickly." And so I started laughing. I said, yeah, Olin's probably kicking somebody's ass right now. 
And then about an hour later, we get these reports that Olin, you know, uh, was involved in this altercation. So it could, and I, I didn't know this. I, I had forgotten that I said that. And somebody sent me a message and said, yeah, just, you said that on your show. And then we, we, we learned of that. So I'm like, holy shit. I yeah, mean, and it makes you look like you had inside info when yeah, you obviously you didn't. I did not. I swear, I did not. Because you wouldn't make that joke otherwise, you know. No fucking way. No fucking way. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I hope Olin gets to continue his career, too. In fact, I told you, that kind of guy, mm -hmm. maybe he's necessary for your team. Maybe you have to have an enforcer type. Mm -hmm. But I know in school, in college, I hated assholes like that. Mm -hmm. That constantly wanted to show you how tough they were at all time. It always kind of felt fake to me. Mm -hmm. I just thought, you're on fucking steroids, dude. Like, chill down. So I always hated guys like that. And I heard all those stories about Olin going back to, you know, I didn't hear much about him really when Jerron was coach, but they kind of started around Lovey's tenure mm -hmm. where he's like, oh, he's such a badass, and he's constantly like putting people in their play. So I, I sort of didn't like him as much as I should have as a player. Um, and then when he become a media guy, I was like, you know what? He's got a lot of personality and like, maybe I should have, uh, just not listen to all those reports and liked him more. Yeah. Cause I liked his personality on radio hits better than I ever did as a player, but this sort of backs up who I thought he was, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Um, Hey, uh, Tooch and Aaron are ready to rock and roll. Let's bring them in. Uh, there right. is Aaron. There is Tooch. Let me put a four ways. What's up gentlemen. What am I missing here? I am missing my muted me. <laughs> <laughs> You're not muted. Uh, we are all here. If I could set the stage before right. you all talked. Mm -hmm. Can you hear me? This toward Aaron. Uh, I told him this in text the other day, but I don't know if it meant – I wanted to give the context of it. Mm -hmm. Last year – and again, I, lo I love Zimmerman. I'm not calling him out to talk any shit, and he's not here to give his rebuttal. So it, it, there's no malice with what I'm about to say. But last season during the draft, I was like wigging out that why don't we get another corner? We need corner help. And he's like, ah, corner help in the 2021. We don't really need that. And I'm like, are you out of your fucking mind? He's like, it's all about points, man. We don't even have to worry about the defense. And I was like, you're fucking with me. Like, you can't possibly <laughs> believe this. And this year, it was the same way. He was just like, you don't need offensive linemen. You don't need offensive linemen. Like, is he for real? Like, he is he just saying this, like, get a reaction? He can't possibly. And then he's just like, oh, we're going to suck anyway. What difference does it make? And I just, God, I don't believe any of that. <laughs> I digress, but I'll, I was just explaining to Aaron, like, I was like, he can't possibly mean this, right? So. He did. <laughs> <laughs> Aaron Mikowski. Do you say Mikowski or Machowski? Oh, your audio is. is uh... Okay, better. Yes. I <laughs> know uh, it's like it's like McCall whiskey at the end. So yeah, Mikulski. Mikulski, I love it. And I love yes, that sir. beard, man. Every time I see you, I compliment you on your beard because it is such a beautiful thing. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. But a lot of time and work into it. So there you go. You have yeah. to to maintain a beautiful thing like that. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't have hair up top, so I take care of the hair. I've got a little bit done. <laughs> so what does um, Tooch take care of? <laughs> uh a good beard looking man. Welcome to the Iowa part of the show. <laughs> yeah, for the Iowa correspondence <laughs> for Bears Barroom. Yeah, you bet. Uh, oh, man. Well, Aaron, I, I hope that you've been listening to the first. Uh, yeah, I've been on the whole time with you guys. Yep. Yeah. Listen to and uh, 
Dan pretty much nailed everything because him and I were pretty much lockstep with, with what we were thinking. I've mm-hmm. kind of chilled out a little bit because that's why I just consume Bears media all day, every day. I'll listen to podcasts and YouTube stuff and articles because if especially if I'm upset, I'd, I'd want to get a better perspective. It's I'm still sure. not happy with how it went down. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't get what I thought we should have got when we should have got it. Mm-hmm. But I do, the more I read, I do understand why we did what we did. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I knew quarterback wide receiver and safe or uh, lineman. Um, I wanted, I wanted lineman and wide receiver. So we picked the quarterback. I was like, okay. I mean, it, he's good. I, they didn't think he was going to be there. We got him. And then the safety part, I was like, Okay, I mean, I guess like like everybody says, we needed safety, fine. And then with the wide receivers, like, was he the best wide receiver on the board at mm-hmm. that point? And it's like we had chances of better wide receivers had we not picked the safety. So it's uh, I'm, I'm still frustrated. I don't know how it's going to shake out, but I also know that I I don't know anything about college. Same with Dan, I don't know anything about college mm-hmm. or scouting or these players coming into it. So I'm just going to have to hope for the best. Let, let, let me interrupt here. Uh, Jay Sanders, uh, who has been very critical with his chat comments on the Bears draft, he says CBS graded Bears draft a D. So what, what, how do they get that? How, how do they get that D? Because based on their opinion on the Bears players that were drafted? Uh, because I, I need to know uh, uh, these grades. I think it's coming out more and more in, these, in the media is that these grades don't mean jack mm-hmm. shit. Because it's based on CBS's board or on whatever opinion. There has to be some context as to how you're grading these players. And so if you're if if they've come up with a, a great answer to that question, how you're grading, then then fine. I'd like to know it. Uh, it's all opinion, exactly. So yeah, you know, NFL's I, got us graded an A. NFL.com. Look at that. You know why? Because oh wait, shit, that was last year. Kyler Gordon, well, <laughs> Kyler Gordon was a first-round pick, and and a- anybody will tell you that Kyler Gordon was headed for the first round of the pick. The fact that he fell that long, uh, that far for the Bears to grab with their first pick in the second round was it was a miracle. And so we have to be happy about that. The safety Brisker is another first round talent and how desperately do we need a safety? So just there alone, you, you picked up two starters with your first two picks, two guys who are probably going to almost definitely going to be starting game one. So how could it be a D? I don't understand that. Just a quick question. This is something I think maybe it was two tonight with somebody and I were texting on this. It could have been Aaron. I, I mean, hell, it could have been you, Aldo. I don't know. But my question, then I will shut up and I'll let you get back to the draft. But my fear is that maybe Jalen Johnson isn't That's really me. that good. Yeah, we're talking about this. He's just that he's the starter because he's a bear. You know, is he a starter if he's on another team? So That's transition that to the picks, which I like, by the way, the safety and the corner. But are these guys really day one starters or are they just day one starters because I, they're on the Bears? I brought this up in the chat with you and uh, Tooch and Zim. Um, he said something about we got probably out of the 11 picks, we get two or three starters. And I'm like, is that because they're the best starters for Chicago has on the roster or are they actual quality caliber starters across the league? You know, I'm, I'm excited if they're like, if everybody else, said, you know, people around the league said that's a starter, but are they starting for Chicago because we have a pretty plated roster still at this point, I guess is my main concern. 
I agree with you. I, I, I'm a lover of, of Jalen Johnson. And yes, he's had some bad moments, some really bad moments. None, none as worse in game 17 where he did not tackle the, the player that was down. Yes, he's burned, been burned a few times. But everything tells me that his career is on the upswing. He's going to become better. And this third year is going to be the ultimate test because if he doesn't show steady, consistent, high-level play – then, you know, once his uh, uh, contract is up after his fourth year, then he's moving on. But he's more than just a serviceable player. Jalen Johnson is a very good football player. You see all the traits. He's got all the physical tools and how he guards people. He's got smarts, with the exception of a couple of uh, immature things that he said. All reports are is that he's a locker room leader. He speaks up uh, and speaks up for himself and his teammates. So I'm not giving up on Jalen Johnson, and my present uh, estimation of him is that he's worthy of uh, of building this team around. I hope you're right. Yep. Um, go ahead, Tooch. I guess I got to play devil's advocate. Here. My, my favorite here. position. Yeah, let's do it. Absolutely. My favorite position, although devil's advocate. Uh, <laughs> I guarantee you that Poles and Eberflus took took a look at last year's Bears game tape and said. We got to get off the field on third down on defense. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yeah. We suck. I, I mean, I'm sure Danny will agree. I, I, oh, every yeah. text during the Bears game I got was, be, why don't we cover anybody in the secondary? Mm-hmm. Come, third and long. Third and 20. They can yeah. be third and 20. 20. And they're going to give up a first down. Big plays. Uh, you bet. You can uh, count on it. Paul saw two guys that could stop that immediately. I, I kind of like the first two picks, man. I got to tell you, the third pick, I. I don't have a problem with either, man. They're they're picking guys that are also good special teams players. Mm-hmm. I mean, none of these guys have played a single down in the NFL, but, like, we're giving them a draft grade of D. I don't see how that's possible. Mm-hmm. We don't know who the top a wide receiver on the board was. Of the you know? articles I see based that – which was one of Dana Knight's main complaints on the fact that it doesn't look like they did a whole heck of a lot to help Justin Fields out, but they got offensive linemen and a running back, and they got the wide receiver fine, but they got him later in the draft. It's, so it, it doesn't seem like – like I said, to Dan and I especially, but also to the media at large, it doesn't seem like they made him a priority, mm-hmm. uh, which I'm still – that was that was my main thing. And I was when I was bitching in the text chat group, I was like, oh, cool, you know, a safety fine. Could have been an offensive lineman. And then – was the two wide receivers, uh, Pickens and Pierce. Um, they're like, oh, they're gone. Okay, now we get Valus Jr., which I don't know anybody college-wise anyways, but I know those two names for receivers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that I think a lot of the, the, the poorer grades coming in at season, these are, are almost all of them that I've mentioned or read anyhow mentioned. It's like, well, they didn't set fields up for success, or just, it doesn't seem like they've made them a priority. Right. Well, and, and- Although you nailed it, though, earlier. So look, look at the players that went off the board in the in the first round. It was mostly mm-hmm. offensive linemen and wide receivers. Poles was yeah. like, I'm, I'm not going to take take an offensive lineman that's like tenth uh, or eleventh in right. my on my board. I'm going to get a guy that's going to help my team immediately. I, mm-hmm. The wide receivers, we don't know that. I mean, Pickens <clears throat> Pickens uh, by all accounts was a character concern. That was yeah, that's the one Gabriel always you kept know, talking uh, about on his show tons, nonstop. I couldn't remember talent. which one it was. Yeah, son of a former NFL star, you know. Uh, uh, you remember Carl Pickens from the Cincinnati Bengals? That's his yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the pedigree's there, but the, he comes with the with a little bit of a diva. Boy, he's a attitude. shithead. So I mean, Daddy was a rich NFL player. I, I mean, they 
Look, there's still free agency. There, there's some players out there, uh, wide receiver and offensive line. Yeah, but uh, – and I know Dan's on the same what, – what, are how many I know there are quality players out there, but a we don't have the the big money right now to sign any of the bigger players that would want a bigger contract. So and and one of the main reasons, and I know we're not expected to win this year, and and it and it's rebuilding. You're not, admittedly, it's going to be so frustrating for me. Um, but all the roster we've built, especially when it comes to talent, has been one year players. Here's a one year deal. Here's a one year deal. Here's a one year deal. So we're going to spend this one year. And Fields is going to get to know all of these players and maybe grow in rapport with them. Fields is on his third coaching staff in three years. He's on his fourth coordinator in three years since he had two last year. So he's going to get to know all these receivers that are here for one year on a shitty offensive line. He's going to be running for his life with nobody to throw to. And then next year when we've got the big money to spend on our receivers, are how many of the one years are going to be here that he built a rapport with? So he's going to be starting from scratch with those people to begin with again. Well, I, look at it this way, though, Aaron. If let's say Pringle catches 85 passes, seven touchdowns, and everyone in Chicago falls in love with him, he's going to demand, you know, a $20 million contract. And so the Bears will have that money. They will have that money. So there's no reason to immediately think that these one year signings are one and done. If they can come, it's a prove it contract, you know, and so they're proving it. They, they, they're going to go out there and prove it to the Bears, too, that they deserve a, a, an extension. And uh, and remember, if a guy like Pringle goes out and catches 100 passes, then you franchise tag him. He ain't going anywhere. Sure. So there's that. Um, by the way, I, I, let me kind of in, interrupt the flow a little bit of this discussion. It's actually within the context of some of the things that we're saying is why DBs and, and Jay Sanders in the chat said, you know, uh, Pace and, and, and Nagy were fired because of the offense, not because of the defense, but the defense had problems too, especially in the secondary. Listen to Brad Biggs on WSCR explain why the bears targeted defensive backs. The bears perceived needs certainly. And I, and I think the real were offensive line wide receiver going into it and the secondary guys, the opponent quarterbacks combined to have the uh, highest passer rating against the bears last year. They were 30, Second in the league in that category, they were near the very bottom in uh, yards per attempt for opponents, touchdown passes allowed. They struggled getting picks. All the while, they had one of the best pass rushers in the league, right? They got 48 sacks. Uh, so they're getting after the quarterback, and they're still getting shredded uh, on the back end. So they're able to get a cornerback and the highest drafted safety by the Chicago Bears since Daniel Manning in 2006. Tooch, I saw you nodding your head up and down, but I want to go to Dan first and then we'll yeah. go to you. Yeah. Tooch. Go ahead, Tooch. Right. I mean, uh, Dan. Two things. Uh, playing off of what Brad Beggs said, it's true. Uh, I mean, you're having this incredible year from Robert Quinn that breaks Richard Dent's record and still the secondary with all these sacks is getting shredded. But another maddening part of the defense, we were. I was talking a minute ago and, and Aaron agreed, like last year, it'd be third and 20, third and 14. They'd always give it up. But the most frustrating aspect would be fourth and one, fourth and two, fourth and an inch. I mean, I know inches, are, it's different. You know, I mean, the offense doesn't have to do, but a quarterback sneak. But they never got off the field if it was fourth and fucking short. Never. 
it could have been, they could have been playing the 76 Buccaneers that didn't win a game, the 08 Lions that didn't win a game. It's fifth, if it's fourth and one, they're getting the first down. <laughs> but one thing I really wanted to say when uh, they were talking about again the Bears, how oh, they're not supposed to do anything this year. I just I know history is just history, but I want to use it as a just a point to say it, it could happen. Look at the Bears teams quickly of the past. 93, Wani's first year. They're supposed to be dreadful, right? They were 4-12, and 5-11, rather, when Ditka got fired after 92. Everyone was supposed to be old and slow. They hired Wani. At one point, they were 7-5. and five. In playoff contention, of course, they fell off and finished 7-9. and nine, But they were in it. Next season, second year, they're still not supposed to be shit. They had nobody make the Pro Bowl that year. They go 9-7 and seven and win a playoff game. They go to the second round, not supposed to be there. They go all the way, all the, way the second round. 2001, supposed to be Dick Duran's last year. He's going to be fired. They go 13-3. and three. Of course, they lose to the Eagles. 2005, Lovey's second year. Rex gets hurt in the preseason against the Rams. They're supposed to be shitty. That's it. They put Kyle Orton in, a rookie, and, and they go 11-5. and five. And they get to the second round. Of course, they lose to Carolina. But I'm just saying there are all these instances where these Bears teams are supposed to be horrible, and they, they succeeded. So I'm not willing to tell you that, well, this is it. We're going to be in the top five next year. Because if, if someone's going to say that to me, I'm going to argue the same points until the season. Great points. Great points, Tucci. We're going to yeah, make I agree. Well, I mean, I can't argue much with, with what Dan said because you've seen pe- teams go in the NFL from last to first every season. So, I mean, is it possible? Sure. I mean, I want to go back to what Brad Biggs said, though, and that was even though we had these great pass rushers, a great pass rushing season from Robert Quinn, we still weren't getting off the field. You know, I don't know how many – we were towards the bottom of the league in offensive plays run – per game the bears were so i mean getting off the field on 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 third down is just going to give us more offensive plays for justin fields to run that's how those two picks will help justin fields people aren't seeing that i mean uh, uh the more offensive plays we get the better chance we have of winning the game you're not you don't have your offense on the field you're not scoring as many points as the other team it's that simple we had our offense on the team last year we didn't score hardly any points you know, uh, we, we didn't because we weren't on the field enough. No, yeah, we, we were. We couldn't score. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, like I said, we were near the bottom of the league in offensive plays run per game on average. As bad bottom as third, we were, bottom third of the everything Tucci is saying, everything we've all said, there were still numerous games the Bears could have won. Think about the Andy Dalton game against the Cardinals. All those interceptions he threw, like four or five picks. I mean, if he just plays dreadful instead of fucking atrocious, we win that game. We should have won the Ravens game. Remember, and he threw the pass to, to take the lead with like 45 seconds to go to Marquise Goodwin. And what happened? We still lost to a bum quarterback. They had never played a fucking down in the league before that game. So usually <laughs> didn't have Jackson. Uh, I love the historical context, Dan, but this stuff is great. Eddie Jackson might be in trouble this year. Yeah. I, well, I mean, Everflus might say DeAndre Houston Carson fits the system better and just is in the right place at the right time. It seems you like know? this defense may be tailored be. to letting him stay back and be a ball hawk, though, is from anything I'm understanding, too. They're, gonna, they're not going to make the safety come up. I think they're they're more tailoring to letting him stay back and do what he did best when he was one of the best players in the league. 
I just put up a poll here on the YouTube chat. Uh, grade the Bears 2022 draft and 75% say hopeful. So I, I like that mentality. I know that some of these players are questionable. I know that some of these players we don't know anything about. But again, I love the process Ryan Poles put into place. And that's what gives me hope that these minds that they put together to do all the scouting for us fans, to uh, do all the evaluation, to do the picks. Um, I, I, nothing has been said that shouldn't give me trust. I'm and all the trades down. The trades down to get more picks. Driving me fucking crazy. I was I, I work I my work computer's right here. My TV's right there. So like, uh, all right, we're gonna pick. I hop off the work computer and just got over to my couch. I was like, they fucking traded again. And I go back. We have another pick and another pick or two. And the same thing. I jump over to the fucking couch. Oh, I thought he was gonna again. keep trading back until he was out of this draft they and into did. next year's draft. <laughs> we had no picks. That, at uh, at that point, when I text you guys, I'm not fucking watching because I got all excited. I'm going to see it live on TV, and every time I plop my big ass down on the couch, it's like, oh, they traded. It's like three fucking times in a row. I was getting so sick of it, dude. But in hindsight, now that that part of it's over, the fact that they had what 11 picks doesn't that make you feel like he did the most he could in this draft? Mm. Yeah. No. He, yeah, I think. Again, I'm being a bitter bitch. What did we have? Six picks did. going into the draft? Yeah, we had six, six and we ended up with what? 11? 11. It's not bad. Yeah. Come on. And now I know these seventh rounders, it's always a chance. But as somebody said on one of the radio broadcasts, they drafted four offensive linemen. If one of them becomes a starter, bingo, bango, bongo. You know, um, I don't think that's the way they put it. That's the way I put it. Uh, I makes sense. We got it. But, but uh, Braxton Jones, I mean, a lot of people th thought that he was going to be a day two pick. I really think that this guy could be the starting left tackle uh, come the season opener if he progresses quickly. He's got all the tools. He's got uh, he's got a lot of makeup. And then these seventh rounders, uh, late round uh, picks that are offensive linemen, those guys have developmental prom uh, promise. So we'll see. What do you think? Of, what do you guys think about? And I don't. Maybe he'll prove to be a great pick. But as frustrated as I was with that alignment in the first three. Again, I could be happy with the corner and the safety, but that third pick, I needed to be a guard or a tackle. Of course, later they got a center. They got that tackle you just referenced. And then randomly, they take that running back. And everyone keeps saying, oh, he's a returner. But wait, 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 wait. we drafted a returner with the third pick in the, third in the pick. draft. Yeah. In the third um, round in Jones. So who's this guy then? And why did we take him? It feels like we already signed the guy from the Titans. Uh, we've got He's David Cummings, our draft pick from last year from Virginia Tech. I mean, we signed the fullback. Like, why do we need another running back? And especially if he's just a returner when we already have a fucking returner. Can Can I answer that? Please. Dude. This guy is one of was, is one of the best kick returners in college football last year. I, I mean, I, I watched some Baylor games this year. This kid's man. He he's a good player. If he if he gets on the team, you're gonna like this kid because. He's like a 5'11", 210-pound Tariq Cohen. Yeah, that's what I keep You know, he's shifty, and he's faster than Tariq Cohen. And he is a great kickoff returner. Man, one of the best returners in all of college football. And, man, Baylor was a run-first run first team last year. Is that Adam Hodge after uh, Olin Krutz got done with him? Adam no. Hogue. Come on. Adam Hogue. It's Dexter. <laughs> okay, it's Dexter. I was like, <laughs> poor Adam. I, yeah, I didn't know that it was – I didn't know the extent of it, I, and I missed the part of the show where, where I, what I evidently was said, but I, I didn't know it was Hogue. 
Yeah, it was Adam Hogue, and uh, he yeah. simply was a little bit critical of uh, or critical of uh, um, Olin's assessment of the draft, and Olin just happened to walk in while that was being said. And if you all could pick one media guy <laughs> for Olin Krutz to beat up <laughs> or choke or whatever he did allegedly to Adam Hogue, who would it be? National or local? <laughs> any any way you want to take it, where Olin might be in the same room with him. Yeah, Tucci already has a name on the tip of his. I don't tongue. know, man. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Uh, uh, go ahead, Dan. You go first. Ooh, I'll, I'll ask it like you did. Then you want me to go national or local? <laughs> go national. Whatever you want. I'll go local. Oh, you go man, national. National. It might have to be Stephen Asshole Smith. <laughs> the A is for asshole. Maybe Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless is another good one. Yep. Yeah, that Can I be choose another like good one. Or- the Bears blog guy and Eric Lambert. So <laughs> you know, again, I I've never interacted with the Bears blog. I know everyone tells me that he pretends to have sources that he allegedly doesn't, but I don't have any heat with him. I don't know anything about him. Uh, from what I can gather about the Eric Lambert guy, I don't know him either. It seems like a lot of his stories are clickbait, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I don't have any malice toward them at all. So I would think locally. Like I said, Brad Biggs blocked me for nothing. And so did David <laughs> Hall. But so maybe, and I know Lovey hated Brad Biggs. So maybe if if he took, and I know Briggs kept fucking with Aldo too, thinking he was Phil. So maybe I would choose uh, Olin to go over and just put fucking Brad Biggs in some kind of wrestling chokehold, like a front face lock and make him pass out. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. You guys have anybody? Uh... Adam? I don't know. I don't. I guess I don't know enough. Uh, I guess <laughs> how about Colin Coward when we're watching a Packers game? Not Colin. Uh, uh, Colin. Chris Collinsworth. Collinsworth. Yeah. When he's, oh when yeah. Happy. Happy. Just when he's when Aaron Rodgers said anything a Packers game. Collinsworth oh the Packers game. Although I did really enjoy Collinsworth's episode we had with Matt Eberflus. Um, he had a, like a forty-five minute interview. I guess they've known each other for quite a long time. So it was it was really cool to to listen to Collinsworth basically tell him congratulations after all these years you finally got it they had it was that was a really cool interview that's hilarious great question uh i'm gonna pass on answering that question i don't want to get myself in any more trouble than i yeah. been in the past. <laughs> I, th- I think i would like to see kenny albert not that, I, not that i dislike him i would just like to hear him talking while he's getting beaten up oh owen this is kenny albert no no i'll tell you one thing though if he, if Aaron Rodgers would be a good candidate, right? If Owen yeah. oh, and Owen God. was really, really upset with Aaron, uh, Aaron's "I own you, Chicago" uh, comment, so that might I would happen. want him to bring blood on Rodgers, though. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want him just to choke him out or have Aaron be like, "Oh, you'd have to push him that segment." No, no, I want Aaron to actually get the restraining order. <laughs> These are jokes, by the way, everybody. We're not. Yeah, they're jokes. Wink, wink, wink. Jordan says, give me the Larry Merchant. Ha, ha, ha. Larry Merchant? He I love Larry Merchant. Yeah. He did boxing on HBO with yes, Jim Lampley. Yes. Why Larry Merchant, Jordan? <laughs> I, love, love I thought Larry he was Merchant. good. <laughs> That's so random. Like, the next one will be like, 
Joe Tessitore, somebody else that's done that. <laughs> I would love that pose that question to Olin himself. Olin, if you're listening, come on and uh No, Olin might fuck me up just because. <laughs> if you guys were to meet Olin, would you now be extra careful about what you say so that you yes. I, mean, I would have to begin with. I mean it's just I mean out of respect, I don't know that would have yeah. said anything. I mean and I mean, knowing his reputation many times from what Greg Gabriel's talked about, too, like but I third, don't know that it, it now would have changed anything that I would have done to begin with. The, yeah. the minimum, the third incident, because there was a time he attacked a teammate at Washington, University of Washington, a fellow teammate. And then uh, the FBI gun range with Fred Miller, right? <laughs> they broke Fred yeah. Miller's jaw. So, I mean, and now Adam Hogue. So, but yeah, I mean, mm. it's not like there wasn't a precedent, although. Yeah, very true. Very true. It's like I don't have any heat with Hogue. That's why it's so, uh, it's so weird that it is Adam because he seems like I mean he's a little cocky, I guess, but he seems very respectful though. Mm-hmm. Like I, it's just so like it, it seems like they I got along well. It being Jason Leisure, who's who again I like because he asks good questions, mm-hmm. but I could see him being a little bit. You know, self-important and cocky, and be, you know, being one of these guys that would almost taunt him into hitting him. But Hogue seems like a kind of guy that would shy away from not calling him a pussy, but it just seems like he wouldn't alpha male anybody. So yeah, I agree. And, but you know how sometimes it, Olin wasn't in the room, so you know sometimes we all will say something about somebody else who's not in the room, and maybe not say it in the in the best manner. And maybe that's what happened. Maybe Olin walked into the room and and Hogue was saying, "I can't fucking believe uh, Olin was so upset with the strat. That's kind of stupid." And, and maybe he walked in, you know, hearing that, and and that's what set him off. And um. It, in, in the uh, WSCR show, Parkinson Spiegel, I, I think it was Parkinson that put it this way, is, you know, football players have that kind of Neanderthal gene in them. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyone who follows uh, local radio here, uh, they might remember that Doug Buffon, uh, John Buffon's uncle, a former Bears player and a, a broadcasting legend, he went after Dan Bernstein, because Dan Bernstein was making jokes of, of his faulty memory, and Buffon God. got really pissed off. And I think he, I think what he did was headlocked uh, Dan Bernstein. I, I'm, I'm not absolutely sure, but he, there was some kind of physical contact. Uh, and then almost immediately, Buffon apologized, and both men started joking about it. But it was a physical confrontation that under perhaps today's human resources, regulations, and so forth, would have probably meant uh, Doug Buffon lo- would, would have lost his job. And don't forget the classic Jim Everett and Jim Rome. Oh, yeah. I was calling him Chris Everett, former – Yeah, uh, the tennis player. Former quarterback Jim Everett was <laughs> was uh, not happy with being called Chris Everett. Yeah, and the, you remember the ESPN book? I think we've referenced it before. It's like something like – these guys have all the fun. Did you read that? Uh, no, I had not. It's from 09. It's got all these inside stories in it, and it gives you both sides. Like if Keith Olbermann is like, God, Susie Colbert was a fucking cunt, mm-hmm. you know, and she was so terrible to work with and all this, and then they'll go to Susie, you know. I mean, it was back and forth, and, wow. you know, like Joe Theismann accused 
uh, Mike Tirico of getting him kicked off of Monday Night Football and all kinds of women accused him of sexual uh, abuse and all this and such, or sexual harassment. But the point, the reason I reference it, that Jim Everett, Jim Rome story was in there. I don't remember who specifically was talking about it, but the inside info was that was not scripted at all. It wasn't something like Jim Everett just kind of beat the shit out of him. Like no one knew it was going to happen. It, was, it wasn't it was staged. Yep. It was not at all. Uh, Aaron, look like you got something on your mind. No, no, I'm good. No, just listening <laughs> to all the stories. I mean, that's I didn't know about all that stuff. I, I kind of had a, a vague uh, recollection of some of it, but I, I didn't know all those stories. I'm still going to learn. It's, it's crazy with the – because I liked – I like listening to Olin and how because yeah. wasn't because they just started this UHGO network and they were all part of it. So it's just, I mean, it's a shame. It's uh, that it, I hope Olin gets to continue his career though as a broadcaster. He's really good. Yeah, I really do. I, I, and I almost feel like, you know, those two guys might end up doing a show together somewhere sometime or at least, yeah. you know, be on a show together. Well, they'll talk about the incident. I, I got a feeling based on what I've read and having interacted just a little bit with Adam Hogue. Uh, we saw him at Bourbon A and talked to him, had him on the show a few times. Um, in fact, I talked to him at Bourbon A three or four times, and he just seems like a super nice guy. And he's like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. So I, and he's got that, he's got a kid he, that, you know, was sick for a long time early on. And so he's yeah. a good dad. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I bet that Olin has already reached out to him and apologized. I, I hope that he has and, and that they could put this behind it. You know, if there's going to be any fights here uh, in, in uh, Chicago media, I want to see Tooch fight somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you want to yeah. beat up there, Tooch? I want to see Tooch in the ring with uh, Fat Mike. <laughs> <laughs> who I liked when I interacted with. That Mike is a cool guy. That would be a great fight. What do you think? Yeah. Can you can for you charity, laugh at him? Sure. For charity. I love Fat Mike too, though. He's one of my friends. <laughs> yeah, for, for the... I hate calling him Fat Mike. No, he loves it. I know. I feel like such a dick when I say it. Yeah. He told me he was on uh he was on a diet and he was losing weight, and he says, you know what? I realized I'm fat Mike, man. I'm just fuck the diet shit. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's one way to rationalize it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I talked to him recently. He seems to be doing well. Um, so, yeah, you know, let's not – if there's going to be any fights, it should be here at the bar room. I mean, that's what bar rooms are for. You know? Right. Well, somebody actually had a comment about that earlier. It said usually men used to just fight and go have a beer together. I don't remember what comment it was. It was a couple minutes ago. Somebody put that oh up there. Oh, my gosh, yes. You got to get over it, man. Move on and shake Once it. and for all, Buffon will come out and say, God damn it, Dan, you're right. I hate you. And just punch me in the fucking mouth. <laughs> Jordan has uh, volunteered to fight Don Burr, <laughs> Detroit, <laughs> Detroit versus Chicago. Actually, via Jordan is out west, so it's a via. Uh, I think what he told me he's out, not LA. Where the hell are you at, Jordan? Somewhere in Southern California, San Diego area or California? Mm -hmm. The Los Angeles area. I think he's in Orange County or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Joe DeVille says, uh, Dan versus Phil. Would, would you be willing to get into a run? <laughs> I, I, like I said so many times, I have nothing but I I wish Faye, uh, Phil and Shane well. It's not just, you know, speak like, oh, you know, you're just saying it because it's the right thing to do. Uh, both guys, uh, I was going through a hard time in my life when I found this show, and, and uh, I think highly of them. Yeah. And I wish them both well. Me too. Same here. 
Um, yep. So I, I don't want to fight Phil. Fuck no. I don't want to fight Shane either. Although Shane and I both had some heat uh, with each other, but I don't have it anymore. And I certainly wish his son well. And I like the fact that he got to witness that World Series for the Dodgers with his dad, too. I think that's a great mm-hmm. moment. And so, no, I, I don't, I don't want to fight Phil or Shane. And I, and I hope they're both well. Although that would be a, a that'd be a fight that I would love to see you six foot five versus Phil five foot one. <laughs> Is he really five one? Yeah, no, I would say he's probably five 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 six. There is a fantastic picture uh, of Phil next to Kyle Long, and it's the funniest fucking shit because Phil really came up to about his belly button. I think anybody's going to be short next to Kyle Long. That is true, but a, a short man is going to be really short. Next to him. But uh, but uh, Phil makes up for uh, brains and football smarts and 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 uh, sure. and artistry. Uh, yep. So uh, and he can freestyle, man. Oh my gosh, he's very good. The dude can just fucking yeah. spit out. Very talented. Very talented. Five five minutes of a, like a fucking hip hop song all off the top of his head. Yeah. Swanky says, if you disagree with Phil, you're a nerd, troll, hater. I, I troll that show. <laughs> Swanky's a man. Bar- Barfly should check out Phil's uh, high school highlights because he was really pheno- phenomenal running back if they get a chance. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. He posted one where it was like a 62-yard run. He had speed. I saw him run yeah. here when he was in Chicago. He's running up Peyton Hill. Um, yep. He can run it. All right, guys, uh, what else is on the docket here? More football? Should we talk some more football? I know, Aaron, you've got uh, some bottled up thoughts you want. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, I mean, I've, I've got basically got to think everything out. It's, uh, again, I I definitely would consider myself a meatball. I, I know what I think we should do, and I like the big flashy moves, and I would have preferred it to go a different way. But I also know enough that I don't know anything. Um, and I'll just, <laughs> I'll just I, I, like I said, I, that's all I do all day is digest as much various info and media as articles or tweets or videos or, you know, podcasts. I just, that's all I do all day is listen to it. So I, I try and get as many opinions as, as I can, especially if I'm upset about something that's happened to kind of get an outsider perspective. Mm-hmm. Well, I've got a proposition for everybody and it's, it's hypothetical. Mm-hmm. Again, you and I have spoken about it before Aldo, but it's hypothetical the schedule finally gets disseminated on May the 12th. Mm-hmm. And then right afterwards, they're going to put a couple of tickets on sale and it's going to say they're sold out pretty quickly. I would imagine <laughs> when it's my turn, because that's the way the world works now with tickets. John Oliver even did a special on it recently, a segment yeah. that Aldo sent me. Yeah. So, but this is what I was thinking about. Maybe we could all get on the same page. I, again, I don't want to seem like the, like Castro or, or Hitler here and just tell you this is the way it's going to be. I was thinking about maybe that Texans game because it would be cool to see Lovey again, but I don't know if it ends up being a primetime game or, or something where I'd like for it to be a Sunday, a Sunday game, but I'd like Sunday to come in if feasible this year and see a game. It would be cool if we could all meet up and, and do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would love that too. I uh, would love to host you guys over at the house uh, and uh, – Head over to Soldier Field together. Hopefully soon we can just ho- head over down the block from where I live. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, well, here's my proposition to you specifically, Aldo. Maybe I should have done this off the air, but I would. I was thinking if I can swing it, mm-hmm. maybe I could buy your ticket, mine, and a date mm-hmm. like last season, mm-hmm. and then maybe you you could hypothetically, you know, drive me around like last year because I don't know where the fuck I'm at. 
and maybe pick me up from the airport. Fucking A, of course. And I would, of course, for my graciousness of staying at your home and stuff, I'd buy your ticket too. Yeah, you don't have to do that. Get no, but here. I want to. I know you want to, but you don't have to. You shouldn't do But that. I want to. I insist. How about that? I insist. <laughs> okay. Um, and and if you don't find a date, don't worry. I'll have some horrors here and some exotic dancers. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's even better. Or maybe we that's just come in. Better, so I'm thinking says. if we fly, it'd give me more time as opposed to being in such a hurry with the drive. Yeah. But maybe I'm just, I'm kind of like, dreaming here but maybe mrs gandhi could watch the jfk stuff with us while i'm there mm -hmm. i'd love to watch that with you and get your reactions and oh, have conversations yeah. but hopefully you all actually watch it before the season oh we're already planning on watching it this upcoming weekend uh, at least some of the discs uh uh dan was nice enough to send me a, a bunch of dvds and some excellent jfk uh assassination uh documentaries and so my wife is really big into that so we're going to watch that together um so look really looking forward to that and so when you come dan we can you know trust me there's so many places in chicago i would love for you to see and experience and i want to see the lakefront i didn't even get to see the lake last yeah, time i was there yeah and aaron how much time have you spent here in chicago um when i've been here it's usually for four or five days at a time i've probably been up there god damn it uh I've been to Comic-Con three times, um, Wizard World, and I've been to one, two, three, three Bears games? I want to see maybe four. So I've spent... What's their record when you're there? Uh, well, my very first game, uh, my girlfriend bought me uh, tickets to go see. I saw Matt Forte's last game as a beer and Megatron's last game. So ah, uh, we lost that one. That one. Um I got to see us beat San Francisco Colin Kaepernick's last game. Oh, fuck. That's, I didn't realize what, was that two games. Snow? Yeah. Yeah. yeah Fucking throws my tits off. A huge game, man. It was snowing like crazy, but it was a heavy, wet, dense snow. I thought my girlfriend was going to freeze to death. We were frozen. It was bad. Um, and then Jordan I, Howard was a beast that day. Yeah, he was. And then we, uh, I saw last time Steelers were in Chicago, I was there with my younger brother, who's a Steelers fan. The Cohen game? Um, no, not. I don't think that one. Uh -uh. Um, I don't think so. It might, maybe it was. I don't remember the one where they went to overtime and won with Jordan Howard's touchdown. But Cohen, I think so. Yeah, first, and they said he was out of bounds. Oh, and I, uh, I was at a preseason game one time. I went up to Comic Con, and that Sunday we got a preseason game. I actually got to see. I was like seven rows back from. Kevin White's first touchdown. It was preseason, but I was still right there to get to see it. So that was pretty cool. So four, three real season games, four uh or three normal games, one preseason. And I've been up there three or four or other times for well, that Steelers game. Let's dive into that. It, it would have probably been either 09 or no, it was more recent. Within okay, the last so six or seven years. Jay's first game at home then. It no. must have been that Cohen game then. It must have been, yeah, because it was it, like I said. I've well, only been with my. Playing. Oh, Glenn that might have been. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was it week? That would have been week two. It was hot. I oh, remember that. Three. Yeah, so that that sounds like it could have been right. Yeah, there you go. Yep, that makes sense. Oh, one more quick uh, thing I should ask off air, but just since we're here. If I do fly there, should I go to O'Hare or to the uh, the other one? Which one's closer to your home? O'Hare. Okay. Yeah. Now I don't mind picking you up at Midway if you get a cheaper flight. Just, you know, 
Well, whatever's easier on you. Well, O'Hare is 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 much closer to Arlington Heights than Midway. Uh, you said that's where I stay. Is uh, something in and sweets is like a mile down from O'Hare, uh, mm-hmm. and only like a few miles away from the train station, which we just always take this, the the train into town. So, God damn it, because it's right next to the Donald E. Stevens Center. Yeah. It's yeah. like three miles from there's the, the motel. We've stayed there every time I've ever been in Chicago. Yeah. So it, it should be right next to there. Nomad says, I need to take you to uh, the original Maxwell Street, Dan, uh, for a Polish uh, sandwich or a pork chop sandwich. The pork chop uh, sandwiches made Maxwell Street style are phenomenal. Effing phenomenal. And uh, so, yeah, we'll need to do some of those, not just the touristy places like uh, Lakeshore Drive, and but some of the other more obscure places that people may not have heard of, like Maxwell Street and, and, and some other places, you know, where if it's in like November, mm-hmm. it would be cool to if the Bulls are in town. Of course, I know in November is when they go on that circus trip, but yeah, it'd be cool to see, or even the Blackhawks, because I've never been to a hockey game. Oh. I've never really watched hockey, though. Trust me, even if you don't like hockey, uh, you'll enjoy going to a Blackhawks game, at least in the first period, you know, if, if because if they're not playing well, you may not enjoy it. But the energy at the beginning of the first period with the singing and the national anthem, the introduction of Oh, players, Cornelison. Uh, yeah, Jim oh, Cornelison. I love Jim Cornelison. Yeah, oh, exactly, my God. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's a real, real treat. And so seeing a hockey game – and of course, seeing a, a baseball game when the draft Dr. Phil was in town, uh, Greg Braggs uh, uh, invited Phil and me to a, a game at Wrigley Field, and we had a blast. Oh, that would be great, too. Yeah, we had a blast. It was a good time. Thanks, Greg. I may be on bad luck for the White Sox, so <laughs> <laughs> stay away from cellular, U.S. Cellular. It seems like everything is a bad luck for the White Sox recently. <laughs> All right. Uh, is Larusa keeping the gig? Larusa so far is keeping the gig, but I wonder if you know uh, management uh, general manager Rick Hahn isn't going to Jerry Reinsdorf and saying, "See, I told you you were wrong." Uh, that that's just not a good situation over there. I don't think these players are are playing hard for him, or they have been snake bitten by a lot of injuries and stuff. So I don't know. Um, I don't know. Uh, all I know is that I want the Bears to go seventeen and zero this season. I want Dan to be absolutely right about why not us. I want Justin Fields to shut up the Mike Florios and anybody else who has the audacity to criticize him or to even contemplate that he might not be a superstar quarterback. I want George McCaskey and Virginia McCaskey to finally host the Super Bowl trophy. Poor Virginia McCaskey. Nobody deserves it more than her. You know, uh, and I know a lot of people have been critical of her. Well, she should have done this or she should have done that. I don't care. I don't care. I want I want that hundred near one hundred. She's ninety nine now, isn't she? Mm, ninety seven. Because she's I think she's a year older than the Queen, and I think the Queen just turned like ninety six, didn't she? Oh wow! Wouldn't that be great if both of them got together and and, and there you go. Like, yeah, invite the Queen over for a Bears Super Bowl. I can yeah, that. yeah. I, I mean, they love her. England and like year of love Chicago, so that could happen. I would love the Queen and Virginia McCaskey over here to the man cave here at the Gandia residence. I'll do exotic dancing for them. I'll, I'll, wear, <laughs> I'll wear a thong. Yes. You know how she is 99. How she like loved all the, the players when she was younger. Like she had lust for them. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> what if one of those players was Buffon oh. and she saw John oh. and thought it was Doug and oh. her last wish in life was like one more dicking. <laughs> <laughs> Would John make the sacrifice if it meant we won the Super Bowl? I wish I had a, a like a, a sound effect of please stand by technical difficulties. <laughs> she is ninety nine, I guess. Uh, one last ditching that is wild. Ninety nine. Well, what if she saw him and was like, "Oh my god, that's Doug. <laughs> that's Doug. I remember Doug looking like that when fucking LBJ was president." <laughs> You know, but it's John. 23. But maybe she gets b- befuddled by it and thinks, well, no, this is Doug Buffon. <laughs> that, that would be outstanding. <laughs> that would be outstanding. Yeah, we'd have to bring John over. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm really digging this. Um, Jay Sanders says that he heard uh, Virginia was smashing Gail's hairs. That's not true, Jay Sanders. I hope Stop it is that. true. Stop that. The 18 inches of daylight was his cock. <laughs> I can't. The Gale's passed on. I don't want to you see what happened here? I'm, I'm saying I want to see Virginia McCaskey get her. I was, I'm trying to be the Mr. Nice Guy. Cordial, and yeah. <laughs> we just get back down to our Neanderthals. So. <laughs> it's a bunch of dudes being duped. It's all good. Is it time, time to drop the swinging light bulb? <laughs> I don't have any sex stories Come for you. On, no. Damn. Come on, please make something. I've been waiting a few weeks. What do you want? I can't make it up. What about one of one of the stories from the past? I mean, there's, there's a lot of stories from the past. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about the girl with the big bush, not George Bush. Oh, the one on my birthday? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I've told you that on air before. Like I said, she uh the World Series was on. You know, the, the Astros were down 3-1. And it looked like they were, they ended up winning that game on my birthday. And I thought, okay, now they're going back to Houston. Maybe Dusty finally wins the championship. Of course, that was all for naught. But during that game, she gave me uh, like a birthday blowjob and wanted nothing else in return at the time. So I thought that was going to be it. Mm-hmm. But then as the night progressed, she got tired and she said, and she stay over. And of course, I wasn't going to be like, get out, bitch. You know, I mean, of course, I was going to let her sleep over. But when we went to the bedroom, that's when she, uh, you know, kind of made a move, but it was dark. Mm-hmm. Like I said, she was, I'm not saying this as a proclivity with her religion or whatnot, but she happened to be Jewish mm-hmm. and she, uh, in the, I, I didn't see her body because earlier she was clothed when she was doing her thing. And then it, it's dark. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I just felt, I was like, holy shit. She's got more hair on her legs than I do. Oh, and no. she had more hair under her. Cause I have terrible man fur in my arms. It would grow from like my fucking arm to my, to my balls if I let it. So I try to trim my arm here because it's fucking nasty if it's too wild. So, but she had more man hair under her arms than I did and more hair on my legs. And I presume it was all black because it was dark. I couldn't see it. And obviously she had a bright red like my beard. Twist of fate, man. Was it as much as uh, Aaron's beard? (laughs) Well, I, I don't know. I couldn't see it. I could only feel it. And like I said, for that moment in time, that split second, I dug it because it was so different. But if you ask me, why do I prefer? Of course, I prefer a girl with some like clean shaven, like girl legs, you know. Mm-hmm. But for that moment in time, it was like an unscripted, like ooh, you know, difference of of something. But uh, yeah, she was she was okay. She, uh, I don't know why she never. Um, 
she texted a little bit after that, but we we never uh, hooked up or even had dinner or anything after that. Hey. I mean, she's still like I could text her now, and she would text me back. There's no animosity, mm-hmm. but I guess our schedules didn't mesh. But yeah, she was a the only hairy lady I've been. And again, let me stress, I don't mean some shit like because my wife had dark black hair, you know. Mm-hmm. And if she let's say she was sick, you know, and she didn't shave today because she felt like shit, she might have a little bit of a shadow under her arms pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. But it was nothing like that. I'm talking about hair. She had man hair. Wow. I've never seen anything or felt anything like it. The uh, so people in the chat room want to know, are you sure it was a woman? I was going to say the lights were off, bro. That's a bait and switch. I mean, I was in her vagina. Uh, were you, though? How dark was it? Yeah, I was in her vagina. She told, she told me quickly she had taken antibiotics. So I was like, ooh, there'll be no coming in this vagina. You know? <laughs> uh, on antibiotics, the birth control can kind of go sideways. So I wasn't going to take that fucking chance. You know? Oh, no kidding. Huh. Oh, my goodness. We've got a lot of deviants in the chat room. <laughs> uh well that's that's a good one so dan when are you going to get back on the saddle what's been going on uh we need some i, I got work. my trips coming up man that's the main thing i got a bunch of work between now and then but in two weeks i've got my concert uh it, it's going to be crazy on saturday may 14th i'm going to wake up early in the morning and drive to cincinnati which is like five hours and watch Danzig and Cradle of Filth and drive straight back afterwards, which is going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. So, and that's on Saturday night into Sunday. And then on Wednesday of that same week, I fly to Florida for my festival. Nice. So it's going to be, uh, man, just a hectic time uh, on the in the life of mine, you know? Yeah. Dan, I, I think you should remain celibate until the Bears lose their first game. You know? well, I, I don't want to do that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. even if it I might did, work, it might one. work. It might be week one. Yeah, that's right. No, I, I don't believe that <laughs> at all. I think uh, the more Dan fucks, the better it is for the show. So. <laughs> so. I, I th- well, keep in mind because I don't, I don't like to really tell a lot of present stories because I don't want any women in the present that might be doing those things to get embarrassed or pissed off about, you know? <laughs> and I don't want them to think I violated some kind of trust with them. I didn't say her name or anything right. like that, you right. know? Oh, and, you know, most people think you're making the stories up anyways. So. I'm not making the stories up. That's the one thing in life, <laughs> You should have just said nothing there, Dan. <laughs> I I was well, I, I'm just saying, like, I'm not making this shit up. It's like the one thing, it's... Uh, <laughs> I don't look like Zac Efron or Brad Pitt, but I've managed to get laid a lot in my life, and I'm thankful for it. Yeah, good for you, man. Um, I'm I'm really happy for you. I live vicariously through you. Lately, the only time I get laid is when I take a nap <laughs> by myself. <laughs> Wayne, um, all right, uh, guys, it is time to uh, talk about something a little differently. There has been so many cool things happening in the world of television and streaming and so forth. I want to leave plenty of time uh, to get uh, a point, opinions from all of you. Um, who wants to start by maybe sharing something that they've been watching that they uh, would like to showcase or, some, or warn us of something that they saw and say, please don't watch this show? Um, why don't we start with our guest, Aaron? Um, you know, it's the, the show I've kind of been digging on too. You brought up uh, last episode or last episode was uh, Outer Range. Mm-hmm. Um, I 
I've got a pretty good track record with like, oh, this could be cool and checking it out. And it's awesome. It is six episodes in. It's an Amazon Prime. It's an eight episode series. It's got Josh Brolin in it. And Tooch can probably name 30 other people in the show because that's he he's Tooch's knowledge about actors is like Dan's knowledge of Bears players. Like yeah. the way that he can rattle those off is, is next to none. Mm-hmm. Um but Chicago's it's, own Lily Taylor, Aldo. Oh wow. Oh, yeah, see, there you go. Um yeah. it's Without giving too much away, so basically you can see it in the trailer. Um, they're on a ranch in Wyoming, and Josh Brolin's character finds this giant hole in the ground suddenly and on his ranch. Um, and then this kind of a hippie chick shows up, and and there's two or three characters right out of the bat that are kind of like, okay, they fucking know something about this mysterious thing, and and it just keeps getting kind of weirder. Um he in the sec so yeah, and I'm trying not to give it away. I I gotta watch it. It's so good. I think after the first episode, you're gonna be hooked. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's mysterious. I kind of thought I knew what was going on right away, but it hasn't come to be the case, and I think I'm probably wrong. Um, but it's got family drama, it's got violence, it's got you know, intrigue and mystery, and it and it kind of just I love shows that on more than one occasion I say, What the fuck? They're like, oh, and then it's like, oh god, like there's a big revelation about you know, there's some kind of uh, time travel involved with some of the aspects. Um, like I said, it's really tough to get into it without giving it away, but I do recommend that absolutely everybody should check it out. Excellent. Going to have to check that out. I, yeah, you know, Tooch is talking about show. it. Uh, yeah. Tell me why you like it so much, Tooch. Well, it's got that Lost vibe, you know, with like uh, when you, if you, anybody ever watched Lost on ABC oh, back yeah. in the day, I think it came out in 2005 or something like that. But, uh, there was that mystery, you know, it's like something strange is going on here, you know, like whether it's time travel or uh, another dimension or something like that. But uh, mm-hmm. the hole has the same mystery as the hatch from Lost, you know, uh, or the island. You know, it's that same kind of weird. Uh, right. And, you know, there, there's two ranchers. They're old ranching families. They're fairly well off and uh, they have land next to each other. And Will Patton is the competing. Well, he's rancher. they're rich. Um, right, uh, Rich, uh, I guess the I, other one isn't. Yeah, maybe uh, uh, Josh Brolin and his wife aren't exactly as rich as, but uh, they do have, own a lot of land. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, Will Patton is trying to uh, take away the land, their west pasture, which has the hole on it. Royal's trying to conceal knowledge of the hole, you know, because uh, he hasn't quite figured out this a strange mineral involved on his land that we don't know the origin of it and uh yeah j2k uh, also agrees yeah outer range is good sorry although <laughs> no that's all right my, my but yeah uh it's a man, you got a phenomenal cast with josh brolin lily taylor will Patton, a bunch mm-hmm. of other younger actors who are phenomenal like imogen poots uh the kids of uh, josh brolin are really good too in it but it, it's good man you'll enjoy it it's not not a dull moment in it great there's mm-hmm. some funny stuff in there too you know just uh you know some funny lines what uh what have you seen too besides that that you want to share with us uh let's see i've been watching tokyo vice on steven nagishi's recommendation i'm at the uh waiting for the next episode of that of course winning time with the story of the lakers is great uh and uh, uh the second half of ozark's last season dropped the other day so can't get enough of the Ozark, man. Love, uh, love uh, Ozark, man. If you haven't yeah. watched Ozark, man, it's fucking killer. We oh. didn't start 
these last two years is too much of a break for me to even pretend like I care. And then like, I'm going to have to go back and watch everything to watch. Like, it's just, I didn't get into it. I don't, I don't know that I'll ever finish it because of that. Wow. I, mean, I understand pandemic and all that, but if it would have kept trucking, absolutely. But it's like, Oh, here's new season of Ozark. I'm like two fucking years later. Like I'm not yeah. going to go watch those first couple of seasons just to catch up again. Mm-hmm. Well, it's worth it. I'll well, I've done that with other shows, but being yeah. a sci-fi dork like The Witcher, I'll go back and watch the whole thing if I need to again. But just, I mean, Ozark was dope. Now, if what was the other uh, Jason Bateman? Fucking HBO. What was that? Outsider. Now, Outsider. the Outsider yeah. came out with a yeah, second, third, fourth, fifth season. I'd watch the whole fucking thing over and over because that was good. <laughs> but just Ozark isn't. It's good, but it's not good enough to keep me coming back and make me invest in, in watching the whole thing again. Mm. Well, let's uh, let's rewind a little bit and talk a, a little bit about winning time. And for those, well, let me let me throw one at you first, please, please, if you don't mind. Nope. I want to recommend to everyone. I'm I'm not saying I'm like this actor's biggest fan, but this was a great great movie, and I know Aldo will, would enjoy it for sure. I saw it. I know. Oh, you did see it? Yep. Oh, did you like? It? I feel like you would love this movie. I absolutely loved it. Tell people what Is we're that- talking about. The unbearable weight of massive talent. No, I, I, I do I, want to see that. I have not thought that. I thought you were going to talk about the Survivor on HBO. <laughs> oh no, I saw the Survivor as well. Uh, but I do believe you would enjoy the. Un- I don't want to. I'm afraid to, to even depict it and give spoilers. Nicholas, Nicholas Cage, Cage playing himself essentially. Yeah, and there's a. He has an alter ego of himself, which is an exaggerated version of himself playing in that David Lynch movie, Wild Things. Mm-hmm. That sort of talks to him. Wild at heart. Yeah, yeah, wild at heart. My bad, my bad. You're right. And uh, there's a, a, a Spanish gentleman. A gentleman. I I don't know his work. His name's Pedro something. Yeah, Pedro, Pedro Pascal. Uh, he's in Game he's of Thrones. The Mandalorian. He's the Mandalorian. Mandalorian. He's got a couple other sci-fi things out. He's in a lot of shit, dude. He's a, he's pretty accomplished. I like him a lot. Yeah, Pedro Pascal. Of him. And these two guys are great together. And just, I, I don't know, I can't describe it without giving you spoilers. Suffice to say, this is Nicolas Cage's best work easily in 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's it's phenomenal. And like I said, I know I'll do well enough to know. I'll just say this. They're in the movie and they're talking about things that mirror not only reality, mm-hmm. like Nicolas Cage is in the movie talking about potentially playing in a movie of a guy who's sort of making a comeback, but he doesn't want to admit that it's a comeback and all these things that mirror reality of his own career and within the subcontext of the film as well. Hmm. Like they're talking about, well, wouldn't it be nice to have a, a kidnapping in the script? And they kind of argue over it. And then later in the movie, there's a kidnapping. So all these things, you could just break them off or happening in reality, but hmm. they're all crossing lines of reality. It, it's just, it's, it's phenomenal. I got some clips up on the screen right now. Uh, what's his name is in it? Uh, Neil Harris. Yeah, Neil Patrick Harris. He plays Nicolas Cage's uh, agent in it. Okay. And I got two more things for you. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I've told you this one before, but Gaslit on Stars is fucking great. Like this week, they went into the Watergate break-in like anything, nothing, nothing I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Where it, they're focusing on like McCord and Liddy and how they actually did the operation that, that was obviously bungled, but they focus on the break-in itself in this episode mm-hmm. and how things allegedly went down. It, it's great. 
And like I said, Sean Penn is the attorney general and his wife is Julia Roberts. If you like that era of history, it's a great show. It's on stars. And finally, uh, I watched a show on Showtime that I kind of dug that had Molly Shannon in it called I Love That For You, where it gives you a behind the scenes look of what it would be like to work at like QVC or something. Mm -hmm. And the girl gets hired and they fire her. So she tells them she has cancer and they feel sorry for her and leave her on, but she doesn't have cancer. She had it in the past. Okay. So she's kind of like, that's how she wanted their sympathy though, to not fire her because she bombed on her first on-air appearance. But it's, it's, it's pretty funny, man. And like I said, it's, uh, it's kind of vulgar, you know, and, and, uh, Got Molly Shannon from SNL. I, I like it. I thought it was cool. She's very talented. I, I like her in just about everything I've seen her in. Um, it's nice that she, she's she got that plum roll. It sounds like a plum roll anyway. Um, I did see The Survivor based on your recommendation, Dan. And oh. man, oh, man, is that a powerful movie. And Ben Foster, who a lot of people will recognize perhaps from the X-Men movies, uh, Tooch, you're great at, at at filmography. What else has Ben Foster done that people might recognize him from? I know he was a six feet under for a couple of seasons. He played uh, Claire's uh, kind oh, of. Wait, I think I know who you're talking about. And I think I fucking love this guy. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes plays like uh, a, a, a guy on the edge. Henry Yuma. Um, he was a bad guy. He was in the first That's Punisher with Thomas James as well. Yes. 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 So uh, yeah, I he's one of those that like he's one of the few that I. He's so goddamn good. I almost don't recognize who it is at first. And then I'm like, oh, I fucking love that guy. And I can never remember his name, but I love anything he's in. I think he's an outstanding actor. He's one of my yeah. favorites. The he first time I saw him, guy. yeah. The first time I saw him, he was a, a teenager and six feet under, you know, who was looked like he was depressed, you know, had family problems and near suicidal. And then the very next thing I saw him in was in the X-Men movie where he played one of the X-Men superheroes. Yeah. And he he had transformed his body from the skinny geeky kid he was and, wasn't he? to just a super muscular. And in this movie, the survivor skinny. he does the same thing. He does a a Robert De Niro, except it's different. When he, he he's the story is about uh, it's based on a true story of a man named Henry Haft who was in a concentration camp, and apparently the Nazis used to. Uh, collect uh, uh, jewels to have boxing matches for their entertainment. And Henry Haft uh, got involved in a fight with a uh, a, a Nazi soldier and uh, a, a an official, an SS official, saw how good he could punch, and so said to himself, "This guy can you know make me a lot of money <laughs> uh, fighting fellow fellow jewels." The problem was is that you know if you lost the fight. Uh, it was true gladiator style. If you lost the fight, you also lost your life. And so the character Henry Half played, again, by Ben Foster, he doesn't want to do it, you know, because he, he realizes I'll, if I beat somebody up, they're, they're going to be killed. But he's faced with this so-called Sophie's Choice decision, save himself or, you know, uh, or, 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 or die. Or so, die. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, hit the body transformation that he does. 62 he, pounds. Yes. 62 pounds. He lost. Uh, he's still ripped, you know, <laughs> still, uh, and then he's supposed to be a starving Jew in the concentration camp. Exactly. And then, uh, when you see him in 1960s, when the story is being told, he, him and as an old, as an older man, uh, married with kids and so forth, 
he is uh, much, much older. And then there's the middle scenes where he was a, a, a boxer fighting Mar Rocky Marciano. His claim to fame is that he was known as the Auschwitz survivor, and he actually fought uh, Rocky Marciano just before Rocky became the heavyweight champion of the world. It's a brilliantly told story directed by Barry Levinson, who um, film lovers will know Barry Levinson has done tons of stuff like Diner, and he did the Homicide series, yeah, I believe. Yeah. He, he's done all sorts of great stuff. And this film just... It's not an easy watch by any means, uh, but it is a, a truly heroic story uh, and, and worth if, your time. If I could add to it, I, I, a couple of things. I don't want to give them spoilers if they want to watch it. But uh, the one thing I thought that the it was cool that they the Nazi that handles him. Mm -hmm. They gave him a little bit of depth, if that's at all possible. Like yes. he was like, he's like, look, this concentration camp shit this has nothing to do with me man he's just like i don't even think we're gonna win mm -hmm. he's like the third reich's gonna fall you know he's just like this is the reality i didn't create it i don't necessarily support it but i'm a german so i have to go along with it mm -hmm. i mean i'm not that's a simplistic view of it but he's just saying i don't hate jews mm -hmm. he's like but i'm on the winning side right now but i know this isn't going to continue there's no way there's too many madmen on our side and that's cool, even though you know he is a monster and he's going along with, you know, genocide. But at least he feels like it's wrong, which because I think in all Nazi portrayals we just view them all as advocating wholeheartedly wanting to exterminate Jewish people, and they probably all were. But at least in the, within the context of this movie, at least it gives him a little bit of depth that I didn't expect. Mm -hmm. And uh, the thing with Marciano, I looked that up. The real guy says that he had to throw the fight because mafia figures threatened to kill him. That's right. He claims, uh, Henry Haft claims that he, the fight against Rocky Marciano, where he clearly was kicking Rocky Marciano's ass in the first round, and that's in the movie and uh, in real life, uh, as uh, told by journalists, uh, but then in the second and third round, he gets mauled almost you know, to a moment within his death. But Henry Haft claims that he threw the fight because of mobsters. Now that part is not in the movie. They decided. Not and then he to. retired immediately after the fight. Right. Right. So uh, I'm telling you, man, it's a very, very powerful film. It's really well done. And I'm going to be vague about this Aldo, because I don't want to spoil it for them. If they were walking into the um, toward the end, mm -hmm. there's a scene with a woman in him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Like yes. I, I cried my fucking ass off watching that. I did too. I did too. I mean, I fucking like I was working at 911 watching that, just hoping the two women I was working with didn't notice that I was fucking balling my eyes. That's ass. what you want when you call 911 is the operators crying before you even start talking. That's that. I'm watching a movie about genocide and extermination of Jews. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm, I'm showing clips of the genocide here from the movie, and we're laughing. So hopefully, people aren't watching this out of context. God. They're laughing about Schindler's List. Oh my god, these guys are monsters. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I love the way it's shot. The cinematography is outstanding. And uh, and I can't I simply cannot say enough about Ben Foster. Oh, and this woman mm -hmm. that plays his uh, love interest. Uh, there are two women in the movie. There's there was a fellow Holocaust uh, victim. Uh, she's beautiful. Yeah, Is that John Leguizamo. That uh, yeah, John Leguizamo yes, plays his uh, 
plays his boxing uh, coach, and Danny DeVito plays, Danny DeVito. plays a uh, trainer. The Mario Brothers are his people that help him out. Yeah, Rocky. He he plays a trainer for Rocky. Somebody's got to get that reference. Uh, he plays a trainer for Rocky Marciano, and um, he decides to help Henry Haft a little bit uh, just because he's a fellow Jew. And 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 Danny DeVito is absolutely fantastic, man. Anything Danny DeVito is in, I'm I'm all in, man. I I want to see that guy act more. My favorite DeVito thing. He wasn't the main character, but he I think he wrote it and directed it. He was in it. Was with Edward Norton and Robin Williams. Death to Smoochie. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I thought that was fucking it's hilarious. Like, I laughed for two hours. Oh my gosh. You talk about a dark comedy. Death for Smoochie is it. It is outstanding. It really is. <laughs> Incredible. I, I can't believe it was a box office bomb because it was so fucking funny and dark and vulgar, man. Yeah. Robin did, Williams at his height, in my opinion. Did did we talk about Coda, Aldo? We did talk about Coda. Okay. I still not see, well, no, actually, Zuch, you and I talked about it uh, off air, right? Yeah, off, off, the, off air. Yeah, it's so, the, I mean, the Survivor uh, will make you cry, but Coda will make you cry too, but for different reasons. That's why it was mm-hmm. probably uh, not or won the best picture. But I, I can't recommend Coda enough. I mean, it's one of those movies that's you know bittersweet. It's funny. It's touching. It's all about family. You know, it's sad and it's happy and it's. Uh, uh, you know, ultimately uplifting at the end, but, you know, in a, in a great way, you know, it's triumphant. And uh, I think it'll be, a, it, it's it's just a great story. Coming of age has it all. So if you get a chance on Apple TV for free, you can see the, the Academy it, winner uh, uh, Coda, free. which stands yeah. for Child of Deaf Adults. And it's uh, uh, the one, there's one girl in a family of three deaf, you know, the rest of her family are all deaf. So she's their only link to the world of speaking folks, you know, that she's, she's like a vital component of the family, you know, and they're, they're uh, the, the, the dad and the brother are fishermen in Gloucester, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And she gets up every day at three, goes on the boat and helps bring in the fish. And then she goes to high school. And then uh, her dream was to be a singer and her, her family cannot hear her sing. That's the irony of it. Yeah, and, man, it's a beautiful movie. If you guys get a chance to see Coda, uh, man, I, I loved it. You'll cry. You're depriving yourself, man, of a great story and great characters and, and fantastic uh, yeah, acting. No, yeah, I guess. It's just not my thing. I you think know, I'll be I bored know. out of my mind. And I think you'll love it, man. It's the singing. The music is great. Singing? Music? Aaron yeah. says, fuck no. <laughs> uh, no, for real, I hate singing. I cannot stand it if it's not in actual music. If it's in a movie or a TV yeah. show, I'll shut that shit down. I can't stand musicals. Well, it's not a musical. I, no, I don't care. I hate. I, hate I just you. I hate it. I don't like it at all. It drives it's me. It's all. It's ass. all Motown. And it's great music. Why would I want to listen to Motown? No. Because Motown is awesome. Are you man. kidding me, Aaron? Motown is the best music yeah. genre of all time. Sixties and sixties and seventies were the songs best for me. Period. period. Songs in the Key of Life by Stevie Wonder. Now, now you're really depriving yourself. If you Marvin Gaye, Marvin Gaye is the best man. Not my thing. I uh, no no disrespect Al to Green. it. It's just, it's just not my thing. Mm. <laughs> um, Dan, you yep. say you don't like musicals either, but don't you? No, like, but uh, I don't. I don't mind Motown music. Yeah, but the, I, I just don't like country music or bluegrass. But yeah, Motown's fine. Uh, 
My mom listened to a lot of Motown, so I kind of grew up on that. Mm -hmm. So uh, I have no opposition to Motown, but yeah, I hate musicals. Like, uh, God, I, I watched that one with Tom Cruise about 10 years ago where Tom he was supposed to be playing like a musician. So I thought he was just playing a musician that might perform in the movie. But no, it's one of those like you could be like, I need a drink. And he's like, I need a drink. And they start to sing. And it's just like, why are they singing right now? Yeah. It's called Rock of Ages. It's one of the worst films oh, I've ever God. seen in my I, life. I do think I have a movie for Aaron, though, that he will like. And mm -hmm. it has Ben Foster in it. Mm -hmm. And it's called Pandorum. And it's uh, uh, Ben Foster wakes up. He doesn't know where he is. He's on a generation ship. Mm -hmm. A long ship that's traveling through space. He doesn't know whether he's... I wanted to watch Dennis, this. I Dennis actually have Quaid is in it. Yeah. Uh, and it's great, man. It's you got a Dennis twist. Quaid's kid is uh, Huey and the boys. And I, I see people in the chat room. I love science fiction and stuff. So it's a science fiction movie. I'll have to check that one. I actually uh, remember coming across that one and I wanted to watch it. I just couldn't remember what it's called. I'll definitely watch it. Really that one. excellent movie, man. Yes. Not interested in watching. Uh, what about like rock documentary? Because you guys, Aaron. Uh, yeah. And, and, oh, yeah. 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 I love like yeah. behind the music watching. Uh, I, it's one of my favorite things to watch is like, oh, here's how this band came up. Oh, I lost the shit out of that. I mm -hmm. love that kind of stuff. I just watched the Muscle Shoals documentary. Which is, I don't know if people know muscle, the Muscle Shoals sound. Mm -mm. The muscle, muscle Shoals was a town outside Alabama. And one guy had a dream. He was dirt poor of starting a recording studio. And he's the guy who ended up recording all the Motown stars. And his band was a bunch of high school kids, all white <laughs> kids. Who played the uh, the they were the backing band for all the Motown hits in the mm -hmm. late sixties, early seventies. Mm -hmm. So it's called the Muscle Shoals. Sound. You mean white uh, people there. stole black people's sound and made a killing off it? I don't think that's <laughs> well, ever it, happened it, before. That, that was the genesis of the Motown sound. It was <laughs> yeah. you know a collaboration between you know uh, people of of different races. Hey, it was, you know, we had this big discussion about a year ago with Elvis. Remember that Aldo? Yeah, yeah. about him. Okay. There's ironically an Elvis movie coming out. The guy that played in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, he played the guy Tex of the Manson family uh, oh that was God, basically eaten alive by uh, Brad Pitt's dog in the movie. You remember that? I yeah. forgot that. Yep. You don't remember Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? DiCaprio yeah, and yeah, Brad Pitt. But but I, I I don't remember the scene with the dog being. Eaten. He's at the end of, at the end where yeah, the Manson yeah. family where they normally would have attacked. Yes. In real life, uh, okay. Sharon Tate. It, it, in this instance, they go to DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. Mm -hmm. Who was the actor that played the Tex? I'm looking. Yeah, he was Tex, the guy uh, that Austin Butler in the movie and killed there. But he's the guy playing. Ellen oh, I can see that the trailer for it on Sunday. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Kind of looks like him. Who, who is yeah, I'm not a big Elvis guy. But you all talking about I'll, I'll put a link in the chat. Culture with music, and it made me think of that conversation we had about Elvis about a year ago. Mm -hmm. you, so. are, you guys, uh, uh, Tooch and, and, and Aaron, are you guys Elvis fans? Elvis fans? Oh, yeah. I did the whole Elvis I, tour not too long ago. I do. I like Memphis. Elvis. I'm not the, my biggest fan, but I, I do enjoy it when it's on, yeah. My stepdad's a huge Elvis fan. Huge Elvis fan. Hell yeah. Yeah, I, I did Graceland and the Elvis Museum, which is fantastic. And then uh, drove like the short drive from Memphis to Tupelo, Mississippi for his boyhood home and the museum there and stuff. It's killer, man. Great story. Uh, you get the whole uh, you get the whole uh, 
uh, the whole story of Elvis from his you know birth, his early life, up until his career, and finally his death. And uh, seeing the tour of his home was great, man. Mm. Oh, but that was crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. What about totally you, ready. man? Uh, not I'm not a fan, but like I said about a year ago when we were bitching about that list. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking you're talking about. I remember that episode. Yeah, about rock stars. I think he deserves his place for what he represented at the time, what he Mm -hmm. did for rock and roll. He's a pioneer. Yeah. Uh, Even if maybe he stole like a style from African-Americans, what have you, he took it and made it his own. It's not like he was lip syncing or something. Right. And uh, it's just like he took another uh, coach's game plan perhaps Mm -hmm. and used the same system. But I thought, you know, what he represented at the time was pretty magical. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the Beatles. I'm not really a Beatles fan, but I can respect what they what they did and what they represented. Yeah, so that's my view on Elvis. He deserves so much respect, but it's not for me. Mm-hmm. There is a uh, new Elvis movie coming out. Uh, that's what I, I was just yeah, really, I was just saying that. Oh, the, and did you? Uh, see, Dan was saying that. Uh, did you see the movie uh, that Baz Luhrmann did before uh, Moulin Rouge? Baz Luhrmann. Marissa made me watch that. I I didn't like it. If I saw it, (laughs) is that the Christina Aguilera playing that? No, she was in the music video uh, of the title. Oh no, that's totally what I thought too. Yeah, (laughs) I know what you're talking about. Yeah, she had a bunch of. She was in with Cher that was awful that I had to watch burlesque. Yeah, but I got to tell you, uh, Moulin Rouge is just. Even if you don't want to listen to the music, just watch the movie. Visually, it is stunning. My ex made me watch that. Boz Lerman is an outstanding director. He's the guy that's doing the new Elvis movie. I apologize, uh, Dan. I missed that when you mentioned it. Um, Yeah, I was telling you the guy from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is who's playing Elvis. Gotcha. Gotcha. He played the guy Tex that got eaten by the dog when the Manson family attacked DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. Okay. That makes sense. Well, and it's weird. Would you would you see that guy as Elvis? Because uh, I don't. But apparently, I didn't. But as soon as I saw the trailer, I knew who he was. I yeah. was like, "That's the guy from the, the Tarantino movie." Mm. Uh, hey, real quick, the ta- I, I know I'm bouncing off. That's all right. I watched that movie. I had never seen it. I had seen it on, but never focused on it with Tarantino in it and all these great actors: Bruce Willis, Tim Roth. You know, all the people that of, of his kind of early roster of movies. Mm-hmm. And it was dreadful, called Four Rooms from 1995. I really, really did not like it. It was an hour and a half of like, what the fuck, man? Why am I watching this? Is that the four short stories with uh, Tim Roth as the bellhop? Yeah, it sucked. It was so bad. Okay, I like that. Three other directors in there. Do you recall who they were besides Tarantino? One of them is Eli Roth, I think, right? Or no, Robert Rodriguez. Okay, they do a lot of collaboration. Uh, and I, I thought one was one was El Motivar. I thought well, one with Antonio Banderas. Okay. The short story with that the, movie sucked. The, the children. <laughs> it got terrible reviews, so that's probably why I never saw it. But uh, oh, it was yeah. horrible. Yeah. Horrible. I liked it. <laughs> the collaboration that Rodriguez and Tarantino did. Uh, um, Grindhouse. Uh, I yeah. love Grindhouse. Grindhouse. Fucking loved it. Killer, man. Unbelievable. It is so effing good. I, I lived through that area going to Chicago area theaters in the near northwest side, you know, where the floors were sticky, where there was 
sperm stains on the seats and mm-hmm. and uh, the movie prints. You were so fucking scratchy, and there were scenes missing from from movies. I grew up in movie theaters like that, and would go to downtown to watch all of the black exploitation movies, the McVickers Theater and the Oriental Theater. I think all those theaters. The Oriental is there now as a as a theater play, a, a theater house. But so I grew up in that era. So when they came out with Grindhouse, I it was like I was at home, man. I, I was just I was in a pristine movie theater, but I was still looking around for rats <laughs> in the theater, just like I did when I was a kid watching these Grindhouse movies. It is fantastic. I got uh, multiple DVD versions of it because I just uh, I'm a I'm a I'm a super fan of of that era of movies in those those gritty low budget violent movies with lots of titties and stuff. <laughs> I love the fake yeah. trailers in between the two. Yeah, films. That's what I was going to say. The, like the, 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 the uh, it was a double feature with like trailer commercials in between. It was great. Mm-hmm. Did, and did and one of them was made into a movie. Uh, Machete. Danny Trejo. The, they made a terrible film with Rutger Hauer called Hobo with a shotgun was yeah, made yeah. into a film. But that one wasn't in the original uh, theatrical release. They cut it. It writes itself, Hobo with a Shotgun. Well, it was in the DVD release or something. It was an added trailer that was cut from the original release. But that one was turned into a movie, and so was uh, Machete. And uh, I I thought the one that they should have turned into a movie was that Thanksgiving one. Yes. (laughs) Like with the girls jumping on the trampoline and land straight, (laughs) her vagina straight on the knife. I was like, ooh. God damn! It's like that. That was intense. Did, did I can see why like uh, uh, Marilyn Manson. Did, did you see that Hateful Eight? Uh, you know what? I have that on Blu-ray. I still have not watched. That's the, I think okay. The it's really good, man. Seen yet? Uh, what I, was, I went to was the, the Hateful Eight. The Hateful Eight. Oh, I was in the theater. I love it. Right? Yeah. Did you go like Dan when you saw it in the theater? Because like when I went, they had a. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, a booklet that you got when you got to the theater. Oh, cool! Like a souvenir booklet, you know, that detailed like the the making of the movie and all this stuff, like a collector's item and stuff. And then uh, it had intermission. It had like a prelude, uh, a music by Ennio Morricone, the prelude. Wow! Uh, and then uh, the first. Yeah, act. it wasn't like that for me. Oh, okay. Wow, wow! It was. It was like I saw it on New Year's Day, like, oh. 2015 in the theater january 1st of 15 with marissa and it just was a straight film like okay, it didn't wow, have wow. like a godfather 2 kind of intermission it just went straight through mm-hmm. yeah it's a killer movie and then, uh, netflix like, broke it up into like four episodes or something recently i think it's still on there oh, wow. i don't know it up into into sections so you could watch it like serialized the hateful eight although if that's yeah, more, i definitely you know, watched it the theater i've seen every tarantino movie in the theater after Starting with Jackie Brown, like oh. I, I, I was too young to, and Pulp Fiction wasn't at my local theater, so I couldn't drive to a nearby town or anything because I was thirteen. Oh, but uh, starting with Jackie Brown, I've seen every Tarantino film in the theater. You know, what's funny about that uh, Pulp Fiction is I used to buy vinyl and CDs up the ass, and so I'm um, browsing around and movie soundtracks, and there's I pick up the CD. It's Pulp Fiction. And it's, it's great. Like, it's great. Yeah, it's got the picture of Uma Thurman on it, you know, as she's got a gun and smoking a cigarette. And I love, again, that era of film noir, Pulp Fiction kind of stuff. 
So I bought the CD, you know, I, I, I put it in the car and I love the soundtrack. And I said, I can't fucking wait to see this movie. So the day that it's released here in Chicago, uh, a date and I, we went to see the movie and we had the fucking time of our lives. We enjoyed that movie so fucking much. And it was obvious that what we had just witnessed was a filmmaker of incredible talent, a unique voice and unique way of telling stories he was never in a fucking hurry to get through scenes he would have these long dialogue scenes he was telling this uh, the story out of sequence it was uh mixed in with this fantastic soundtrack he had all these great actors in it and i'm like holy shit who is this fucking quentin tarantino and lo and behold man the guy has become one of the masters of cinema as soon as uh uma was brought back mm-hmm with the injection into the heart with Eric Stoltz and Travolta. <laughs> as soon as that happened, like the rest of the movie could have bombed and been shitty. I would have still said it was a great movie because <laughs> yeah. of that one scene. Of course, I love the whole movie. Yeah. yeah. But that's working on his last movie. Is that- yeah. He claims this is uh, his 10th film will be his, be his last. last. Yeah. Now he has uh, speculated openly as to what he might want to do. I don't think he's made any definite plans. But one of them was to do a, uh, and I'm forgetting what movie it was. A, a, a another Kill Bill, which I hope he does not do. Yeah, yeah. That suck. And, and there was, but there was, wasn't there another movie he said a Star Trek film? Oh my gosh, no, please. No, there was one. I thought that was rumored to like that was a possibility. Actually, there was, a, I think, a Godzilla version. He was gonna Quentin Tarantino a long time ago was attached to, which I would have lost my fucking head. I would have been pissed. <laughs> Now, I don't think he's going to retire at all. I think he might make one last feature film and say he's done 10 feature films, but he's going to do like long series stuff. He's going to make uh, streaming movies and so forth. And and I think he's going to couch that uh, around, you know, getting over this promise that he was only going to make 10 features. There's no fucking way he's going to retire at his it, age. As much as I love Pulp Fiction, and I did, and I've seen it, probably 50 times in the last 30 years now mm-hmm. since it dropped in 94. I don't think I got to see it until 95 because back then it took like six months for a video to hit VHS after, after the theater, you know? So I think I saw it in 95, but uh, my point being as much as I love that film, I think once upon a time in Hollywood is his best movie. I would agree. I would agree. Um, I wonder if he, I think he has said that, that that's his finest movie. But I, I always thought that he might say uh, Inglorious Bastards just because. That's of, good, too. Just because of that yeah, final yeah. scene as as the one character is doing his scalping and then Brad Pitt. The swastika. <laughs> yes. A swastika on the forehead, right? And yeah. uh, the characters, Brad Pitt and, and, and the other guy saying, I think this might be your best work. Yeah, you're a masterpiece. And so I, I took that to mean that Tarantino was telling the audience, this is my masterpiece. And that movie really is a masterpiece. And Gloria's master, outstanding. And the German, or the, I don't know if he's really German, but the guy that plays the German won Best yeah, Supporting right. Actor for that and for James yeah. Yes, Christoph Waltz. Another guy, right? Who I guess if you were not into international cinema, you know knew nothing about, right? Yep. This guy just popped into the scene and he was sensational, man. And uh, you could tell English wasn't his first language, but he enunciates all of the English words with such perfection, and he just does such a great job of storytelling. Oh man, he's he's fabulous. Tarantino yeah, has a high for talent. 
Yeah. Yeah, he does. He got to play a good guy in Django Unchained. That's right. You know, went from playing the bad guy in, uh, in Glorious Bastards mm-hmm. and then played the good guy in, in Django Unchained. And uh, you remember the uh, uh, Glorious Bastards also had Michael Fassbender. Yes. One of the, the spies, you know, who's mm-hmm. he's like, uh, you know, speaking German. And of course, they catch on to him. And he's like, well, if, if I'm going to die, I'd rather go out speaking the kings. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well done. <laughs> well done. Yeah, I always thought Michael Fassbender uh, would have been great as the next James Bond, but uh, time yeah. may have passed him by, and now I'm all I'm pulling for uh, Idris Elba to be the next Bond. Yeah, both those uh, guys are getting a little up in age, you know. I think Idris Elba is like fifty, I think. Really? Yeah. yeah. You know, well, Daniel and, Craig is 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 probably around yeah. 60, right? Uh, he's mm-hmm. like. I think he's 50 also, or 51. Quick, like 50 quick or 51. story, quick uh, anecdote about Inglorious Bastards, because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm hoping we can talk about winning time before I go. Sure. But that's the only movie that I attended at the theater. It was the first showing, because mm-hmm. I had to work that day. I went to the, like, the noon showing the first day it opened. Mm-hmm. And it's the only movie I've ever been at. I wasn't a part of it, uh, what I'm about to say, but a group of guys stood up and started clapping at the end during the swastika cut scene. Mm-hmm. It's the only movie I've been at where a standing ovation happened by other people at the theater. Uh, isn't that cool? It was really cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I've I've, I've experienced that a, a handful of times where you're in a movie theater and at the end. There's applause. I don't know if ever a standing ovation, but applause, and that's just to me. That's I love watching movies with an audience that appreciates good cinema i'll spend time like watching people's reactions to certain scenes because i want to see if they're enjoying it as much as i am um i just love that i i, uh, I really miss like i haven't been to a movie theater in years now i, I got to get back into that because uh i really enjoy uh that that uh, social experience of watching movie together in the dark with strangers all right dan let's talk a little bit about winning time uh, uh tooch told me before the show rolled that he thought this episode wasn't as good as the last one but he still is enjoying it what say you mr dan aguire i kind of dug it um uh, the thing with his mom with sally field was uh i don't know if again if it's real if that's really juxtaposing the lakers uh, initial playoff series, but the way it was written in the, the script there was very dramatic and very well done. And you can feel his pain because, well, I, I can't assume anyone else has lost their mom, but I've lost both of my parents. So I know how he felt uh, 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 and I had empathy Dan, for his character. Dan, let me interrupt you quickly, just sure. for uh, for sake of, for the sake of people who have not been watching the show, when you say he and... and can, oh, I'm sorry. It's Jer- Dr. Jerry Buss. Right. Go ahead. Dr. Jerry Buss's character, played by uh, the guy from all the Will Ferrell movies, uh, Michael C. Riley. John John C. Riley. John C. Riley. John C. Riley. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was about to. Brother Rice High School, right on the south side of Chicago. That's right. He's a Chicagoan. That's right. Well, in the episode, his mother, uh, I think at the end, they pull the plug. Yes. I believe that's what was referenced. And she's played by Sally Field. And that was pretty uh, sad. And then you had the stuff. The drama still escalating between Jason Siegel's character of Paul Westhead and uh, Adrian Brody playing Pat Riley. And are they going to get to continue on even though they've put this team over the top? Or is you know Jack McKenney coming back? And then finally we see McKenney is still having cognitive issues. Oof. And I think the way the show portrays it, it looks like 
John C. Riley went to his house or, or Dr. Bus to give him the gig. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he saw that he didn't recognize him. So he was like, fuck, I guess I'll have to give it to West. Because he was really torn. They showed Jerry West again in a poor light. Like he can't make a decision. He just sat there screaming and yelling, fuck, fuck, man, fuck you. You want me to make this decision? You know, just like, God, man, they just continually shit on Jerry West. But maybe like the article you showed me, if all that stuff is true, maybe his lawsuit is uh, frivolous. I don't know. I'm not even talking about that part of it. But within the episode, they made Jerry West look pretty impotent with regards to being able to make a decision, considering he's supposed to be an executive. Well, yeah, it was kind of I, I, one of the things, and I'd love to read Jeff Perlman's book uh, to get more of the facts, is Bill Sharman was a general manager of the team, and he's rarely in the fucking show. And when he shows up, it's like, you know, somebody just called him in from a, a, a nap. You know, he's got yeah. no input at all on what the coaching decision. He's got no input at all on the team. He, he's, he's sort of like the de facto well, Jerry West is the de facto general manager, in essence. Uh, Jerry, the Jerry Best character never goes to Bill Sharman, former great Laker player who became the general manager of the team, never goes to him asking him, what should I do with the coaching job? That to me just seemed like, okay, if you're going to get some of the facts wrong here or purposely wrong – that that seems like a little out there. Why even have the character? I mean, they're, they're, they've eliminated so many characters. The coaching staff is just a coach and the assistant coach. There's nobody else on that bench. I don't think that that was the reality back then. Um, but again, I, I don't have a problem with the way some of these characters are depicted, like uh, Dwayne Corey is saying winning time makes West look like a prick. I think that this is all Hollywood screenwriting you know you you start with a character at one place and then you got to have an arc where they transform themselves and so we're seeing that with jerry west and that he started off as this kind of neurotic uh suicidal depressed and a lot of that stuff is true according to just jerry west's own autobiography uh and then now you're seeing him giving great advice to magic johnson that is going to help him become a winner uh, and then uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, he starts off as a loner, uh, disgruntled and stuff. And a lot of that stuff is true. Jabbar was really upset with society at large and being treated like a, a, a an abnormal giant. Uh, and, and, and you see him, you'll see him as the season ends. He's going to embrace Magic Johnson and hug him and, so, and stuff. So all of this is Hollywood. 101 screenwriting just character starts here and he's got this arc where he ends up here and so you know it is what it is if you want the facts then watch a documentary or read the book uh so it doesn't one thing me. that one thing that was really interesting but not true that they changed around that i looked up was the stuff with spencer haywood mm -hmm. yeah uh he actually uh was cut from the team by westhead yes uh after or heading into the third game of the 80 finals but on the show, they make it seem like they had a team meeting and Westhead told the players, it's your team, you make the decision because he was struggling with addiction. And Kareem had told him earlier in the episode, you've got one more chance. So within the show, Kareem is the deciding uh, vote to kick him off the team. And then they show Spencer asking a drug dealer to kill all of the Lakers. And I read that the real guy allegedly – uh, went to a mafia dude in Detroit and and tried to get a hit on Westhead for cutting him. That I did not know. 
I knew yeah. about I knew about that he was fired by Westhead or cut by Westhead, but I didn't know that whole, that whole mafia thing. Holy shit! Tell me more. <laughs> oh, that's you know that that link you sent me like Screen Rant or something. Yeah, right. That they had the the you know the the comparison, the juxtaposition from what the show said and what really happened. Right. Uh, the the breakdown uh, they did that on this week's episode as well, mm-hmm. and it was within that article where they talk about he had. He went to a mafia figure to, to, to put a hit out on Westhead mm. after he was released. I wonder if they gave him a ring since he was there. I mean, he made it to the third game of the finals. He's entitled to a ring, right? And knowing Jerry Buss, at least, or at least the way the show depicts him, I'm sure he would have given him a ring. I would think so. His whole character just wanted a ring to impress his, his son so badly. So I hope he really did get it. Uh, now that they've renewed the show for a second season, where do you hope the show goes? Uh, do you want to see the? Uh, well, it's natural that they showed the Bulls, excuse me, the uh, Celtics Lakers series, and cover that whole. That's still a few years away. I would think they would right. have to touch. The the Magic said his, like, determining like point of his career mm-hmm. like the most important part of his career was not the game he has to play center mm-hmm. but it was after Westhead is fired when the team says you're the reason Westhead got fired and half the team was pissed about it mm-hmm. so uh, he said that he felt like a made man when they won that championship with Pat Riley in 82 because it's like he had this you know prima donna attitude from the other members of the team and he sort of uh, they didn't respect him thinking, oh, he's just a high-paid fucking, you know, one-hit wonder, and he got our coach fired. But when he delivered with another championship, it felt like he, the people just respected him. So I feel like they'd have to show that. Mm-hmm. I would and, think so, uh, too. Even though that finals in 82 was really boring if you've seen those games. God damn, it was a boring series. Man, you watched a lot of NBA back in that era, huh? Well, I, I was I was, I was, was two. Or still one. I hadn't even turned two when that happened, but I've watched those old games, uh, at least the majority of them, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that Philly series in 82 was dreadful. Then the next year, uh, Worthy's hurt, and uh, the Sixers picked up Moses, too, from the Rockets, so they sweep uh, the Lakers in 83. What do you guys think, Tooch and uh, Aaron? I, I take it you're not watching Winning Time. Huh? No, um, I'm like I l- like listening to you guys. I like Dan's thing, and I like you guys talking. But I like the debate you guys have just with how the show's done. Um, it's not my kind of show. I don't, I don't know that I would watch it, but I, I've that's actually been one of my favorite parts of the episode is what, listening to you guys break it down. <laughs> yeah, it's not something I, I would think first to watch, but man, I really love it. I just. You know, I'm not I'm not a Lakers fan at all, but I think I love the story behind the scenes, whether it's true or not. But uh, uh, I don't care whether I mean it's a dramatization. You know, like mm-hmm. Aldo said, based on real events, that they take some liberties with it to make it palatable for an HBO audience. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, they do. You know, they add in all the the uh, the rock star party glitz and glam, and you know. Uh, drama behind the scenes to make it, you know, uh, to get viewers, to get the viewers to come back every week. Hey, know, hey, uh, one more thing before I go, mm-hmm. since I got to go to my other job, unfortunately, I wish I could stay here all night, but, um, and you're, you're, you'll know, I think, I don't know, maybe Toots too. I don't know if Aaron would really remember this part, but I thought 
that the guy playing Brent Musburger was horrible. He was horrible. Yeah, it was horrible. God, like it's like they didn't even try to make him sound like Brent at all. At least most of the characters, with the exception of the Richard Pryor uh, guy, they, they make him look like him. Maybe not necessarily sound like him, but the guy that was portraying Brent was just awful. He was. I mean, golly. I mean, yeah, that was terrible casting. And there's been some casting decisions that I would question. Hey, before you go, then uh, I want to share with people some of the stuff that we were talking about in terms of maybe doing our own parody of uh, the 2010 Chicago Bears season and making it like winning time where we – not are not going to tell the, the true story <laughs> you know some of the things be like jay cutler really wins that game against the green bay packers and doesn't have that injury uh things like that wouldn't that be cool we can make olin Cruz jerry west <laughs> there's the theme music from winning time well watch the Dan Aguirre version of the 2010 season where he's going to take all of the facts and mutilate them in the Chicago Bears and go on to the Super Bowl. That would be great. Uh, if we could rewrite that. Oh, how about it, brother? <laughs> Dan, you're expecting a heavy night tonight? Uh, a lot of... Um... Yeah, we've had a problem with shootings recently. I bet we've had five shootings uh, in the last week or so. So, yeah. There was one again earlier today, from what I'm told. So I assume there's still more of that. So uh, is this because the weather is warming up and crime goes up? Is that kind of thing? I, I, I don't know what the correlation is. Uh, I Maybe. I, I don't know. I just I can't explain it. I just know that uh, it, it keeps seems to keep happening. But uh, lastly, on the Brent Musburger thing, yeah, the, the part that made it so like dramatically sticking out to me is like, God, this is bad as Brent was so specific with his mannerisms that it would almost be easier to imitate him because you're just like, you're looking live. You know, if you could just get his, his voice, right. But he said certain things that would make it easier to do an impression. Mm -hmm. And the guy didn't even try. I mean, it's what I'm saying. I know it's a little thing, but I thought the only criticism other than, you know, the points or the games or switching outcomes and stuff like that, that I have for the show is that the guy portraying Richard Pryor and the guy doing Brent Musburger were just not even trying. Just <laughs> awful. It'd be like if we tried to cast Jay Cutler and, and showed instead me. Or maybe who somebody else, a, a big rugged line with John Tate or somebody that just doesn't look like Cutler at all. It's the way it felt like to me. It was just like maybe it was an inside joke. Like, I don't know, man. I, I, I digress, but I thought the guy doing Brent was horrible. He was horrible. Uh, I think the guy doing Chick Hearn is a little bit on the annoying side, although based on stories David Schuster told me, uh, Chick Hearn really was annoying. But I, I just remember Chick Hearn having a different persona than the one that's being portrayed. Um, so I'm not too keen on that. There are a couple of other casting decisions that I might quibble That dick with. on the Celtics radio seems spot on. The Johnny Most character. Yes. God, he was like, <laughs> I could see him dropping the N-word on the radio back in the day. Yep. Uh, indeed. All right, get out of here. Go save some lives. Go uh, solve some crimes and stuff like that. All right, last thing I'll say, gentlemen, it'd be great if we could really make that uh, game thing happen in the fall. Check out what the schedule uh, comes out with. 
Yeah. I will drive one out, Danny. This Thursday, one week from Thursday is when the schedule comes out. One week from mm-hmm. this Thursday, we'll be covering yeah. it here yeah. on the Network. John Buffon is hosting a schedule release show. Uh, so uh, if you guys want to jump in and share your thoughts on the schedule, that would be outstanding. Um, all right, gentlemen, I got to go. Thank you all. Bye, yeah. Danny. Take it easy, man. What a guy. Dan Aguirre, also known as Dan McMahon and his uh, um, Virginia, West Virginia radio job. He changed his name at the uh, request of the station manager. Didn't particularly like the Aguirre name. It sounded too ethnic. And so, <laughs> Dan, I'm I'm not, I love Jim McMahon, so I call myself Dan McMahon. So it's, he's an award-winning broadcaster out there, and it's too bad. All the awards say Dan, Dan McMahon. It's like, this is, sounds like a kick in the butt to me. Right. He, right? he wins every year, too, right? Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Jordan says Dan McMahon and his sex life. Ha, ha, ha. Yeah, it really is. I mean, there should be a uh, a miniseries done on, on Dan McMahon's life. <laughs> We can change some of the facts and to make it a little bit more dramatic. Like he's also a superhero. Nine, nine, there you go. Nine. Yeah. I don't know if he'd watch it though, but it's superheroes in it. <laughs> exactly. Aaron, what from a superhero standpoint have you seen and want to share with somebody, uh, with uh, our audience? Because we've got someone in the audience named Cliff Victoria, who is a massive yeah. superhero fan. You know, yeah. I've been seeing his uh, comments. I. The last thing I saw was the new Batman movie, which I enjoyed. I know yeah. a lot of people didn't, but I, yeah, I did like it. I did like yeah. it. Um, God, and it's and it's if me from five six years ago could hear me, he wouldn't believe that it was me. But I'm so marvelled out, dude. I haven't seen any of the new shows. Oh, man. Um, I did see Spider Man: A Far From Home and liked that one. I saw the Eternals and liked that one, but like they're they're starting to pull the bullshit. It's why I stopped reading comics. It's like up oh, to get Fantastic Four episode or issue number thirty-eight. You have to read, you know, the Incredible Hulk uh, issue number forty-seven. Like you, they're starting to tie everything in together, which I get. Um, they used to with the movies, but the movies was a palatable chunk. But now it's like up. Oh, well, you have to in order to understand Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness, you have to watch WandaVision and you have to watch What If because there's components of both. I was like, I get hmm. fucked. I don't want to have to sit through six hours of material to watch yeah. two hours and understand what the fuck is going on. I couldn't get into so what much. if, man. I thought it was boring as heck. Yeah, I I haven't seen I haven't seen anything Marvel other than the things I've mentioned. I'm just I'm so fucking packed out on Marvel. Like it for me, it ended with you no know, Moon Knight. I Moon Knight. I I like the comics, but I think in the show too, I prefer the straightforward. Uh, Moon Knight story. I like yeah. his like Mark Spector. He's Kanchu, and they do the thing. Not like the psychological. Oh, am I this or am I this or am I actually yeah. crazy or do I have? I fuck. I can't. It's too. I like the show. I've me. struggled with that aspect of it, the dual yeah, personality part of Moon Knight. But. Yeah, it's it's too jarring for me. I I. I but I, one of my best friends is is a diehard Moon Knight fan, and the people who know Moon Knight love it. So there's something to be said about that, but. Um, but as far as and it's for the rest of because I love Doctor Strange, he's one of my top favorites. But like I just I don't want to have to see a bunch of stuff to know what's going on. And it and that's the more this goes on with the series, it's just it's too much. 
Like, I don't want to have to be told you have like the old movies. It's like you'd have one or two movies a year. And like, I, that's, I could do that. I can sit down for a two hour movie, but it's like, oh, this is a 10 episode series and you have to pay attention to, you know, I don't know how long the episodes are, but it's just, it's to be a part of it. It's, it's requiring so much anymore. And that's just for how me. About, uh, the, the Star Wars stuff. Did you watch that stuff? Uh, the book the of new Boba Fett. Yeah. Oh, the, no, no, I'm not. Mandalorian. I'm not a Star Wars fan. I think Boba Fett's super overrated. The, really? uh, the Obi-Wan yeah. Kenobi story. Well, not the show, but also Boba Fett, Fett, the character. Like, I, I don't understand a big deal about it, but okay. Obi-Wan's I'll watch. I like that because that's back from Star Wars when, you know. Aldo has well, the last issue, time, but... last printed issue of Entertainment Weekly with uh, Ewan McGregor on the cover as Ben Kenobi. Yeah, so, that's right. uh, 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 that series comes out in I think just a few days. Mm-hmm. Is it nice? So. Very good. I, I can't tell you how upset I am that Entertainment Weekly is now ceasing publication. I know gonna, they're still going to be online, but me I, too. I, I, it was like I, half my job. Yeah, that sucks so, for you more than anybody else. <laughs> I'm still doing the Entertainment Weekly like bookazines. Like I'm oh, doing. Oh, still doing those. I'm doing uh Stranger Things, and uh, I just did a RuPaul. Uh, one finished that rap today, and then mm-hmm. I'm doing EW Ultimate Guide to Stranger Things, which looks pretty good, man. The magazine's gonna be good if you're a fan of the show, man. It's got everything in there, including a uh, uh, sneak peek at season four and mm-hmm. like all the new characters and the new storylines. I shouldn't be giving this away and stuff, but uh, right. looks pretty good. Those, those kids, uh, they look a lot older. <laughs> Let me just say yeah, that. they're like they look like college kids now. That's a problem with. Stuff. with that especially because it took so much, but so many of them went and did so many different things. It's just like it's it's right. It's a bummer. I I'm, I haven't watched that much lately either. That one kind of uh, that one was just a nostalgia thing. Yeah. I remember the malls. Huh? <laughs> remember these things? Like this, look at this. It's like it, that's basically what it, it amounted out to. You know, it's, it's anybody that talked about Stranger Things didn't talk about how good the show was. They talked about the things that it brought up. Yeah. Like, for me, it's, it's Stranger Things, and I appreciate the cultural phenomenon because it and it you know really took off. But for me, it's it just it was literally that 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 felt like what it was. It was also, did like, you watch Stranger Things season one? Um, and I loved it, and I watched a bunch of pod or watch or heard a bunch of podcasts talking about. It. Really, really loved it, and just uh, I'm I'm really bad at returning back to season twos. Of seas uh, of yeah. seas that I like, mm-hmm. I'm just bad at it because I I want to consume new stuff, you know, and so yeah. I, uh, but like I want to go back and watch season two of Ozarks. I want to go back and watch season two of Stranger Things and, and a number of other yeah. shows. Well, Ozark is Ozark killer. Be good too because it's done after this season. So like if you finish it, then you can keep going all the way through and not have yep. another you know yeah big, yeah between everything. Now, um, season four might be the best one, man. It's so good. Oh wow, that's good I'm, to hear. I'm enjoying a lot. Then, of course, on your recommendation, I watched "The Man Who Fell to Earth." And I was just going to mention that because so, we, uh, we've got one. For, we've got one for you, Aaron. It's, uh, HBO yeah. Max is it or okay. Apple TV? It's Apple Apple TV. Uh, no, it is on uh, Showtime. 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 Yep. Showtime. Yep. So yeah, it's based killer. on the old uh, movie that has been remade a number of times, uh, but this With one David has- Bowie. Yeah, that's right. This one has a more unique twist on it, I think, than any of the other versions. Wouldn't you say, Tooch? Yeah, yeah, it's been modernized. I love it, man. It's it, it, that the main actor 
Shuetel Ejafor, man, he's so good in this man. It's like a, mm -hmm. he's he's like an alien learning to act like a human, learning how to speak like a human and stuff. Cool. There's some really funny moments, man. And then you know he's got his mission. You know, a lot of people think he's on the spectrum or crazy or something. They don't know. You know, they don't. They can't believe. You know, oh, he was okay. He was Mordo in Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah, he's been mm -hmm. in a ton of movies. He usually plays a bad guy. It was the most famous movie I think he won an award for? It was Twelve Years a Slave. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, and yep. so as as Tooch is saying, he, killer, he does man. seem like he is mentally impaired because as yeah. he's learning the new language uh, that we speak here on Earth, he will say the weirdest, the craziest things, and he's yep. also. Uh, uh, honest to a fault uh and so that gets him in a lot of trouble he's got these incredible su superpowers and he is searching for this woman who has written a paper that could help save the planet that he's from but there's also a parallel storyline about the person who uh brought this alien to earth um and it's a former CEO of the scientific company who want, who lost his company and now wants the alien to help him get the company back. Mm. That, that storyline is a bit more obscure right now, but it is truly fascinating with fantastic special effects yeah, and, and super, super acting. Cool. That looks dope. Yeah. Tooch, you're, uh, you're a fan so far after two episodes, huh? I love it, man. It's killer. Yeah. So good, man. Uh, uh, the the actor who plays like the alien that came before, you know, his his adept, his teacher, mm -hmm. uh, is played by Bill Nighy, the actor who played Billy Mack in Love go. Actually. Did, yeah. If you haven't seen Love Actually, it's a great movie. Mm -hmm. uh, but he's like the rock star that you know uh, has one last great hit, you know, and a uh, uh, great great ensemble cast and and uh, uh, separate stories in that show. But mm -hmm. he's he's in this as well. Have uh, he in the uh, underworld, right? Yes. Okay, that's where I recognize him. Yep, from. he was like the head, the leader vampire, the main vampire in the first yeah. one, right? Yep. Any of you guys seen uh, Hostiles with Christian Bale? Yes. What is that yeah, about? That was great. Yeah. That's a uh, uh, Civil War movie, and uh, 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 Christian Bale's like a Civil War captain who uh, does the does the dirty things to get the job done. Uh, you know, all the stuff that we don't like to talk about in war. Ah, uh, Jesse Clemens is in it. He's great. Rosamund Pike, she's outstanding too. Oh, yeah. Uh, King Pookie Nation is asking about Halo. Uh, have you guys seen Halo? No, uh, I heard good things, though. I think it's watch the first it episode. Outward? It was okay, uh, but uh, not enough to hook me back yet. Although I'm tempted. The more I uh, uh, see it pop up, that you know, reminding me that hey, you can go back to Halo, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, haven't uh, it was okay. It's a little low budget. Uh, what's yeah. Swanky saying here? Swanky says he's got to take a chef to his chief or chief <laughs> to his homeland. Right. Yeah. In in hostiles. Yeah, okay. he's uh, he's taking an Indian chief back. You know, of course, he doesn't like Indians because he's been killing them for uh, you know throughout the whole war. You know, he's mm -hmm. got a little, but learns to you know respect uh, the culture and and people. But yeah, it's great, man. 
Cool. Yeah, check that out if you can, Aaron. We definitely have to yeah. take on that. And Aaron, I wanted to ask you, you're talking about uh, your, your lover of comic books. Uh, tell me what is going on in the comic book industry right now that us laymen of the uh, industry should know about. There was, by the way, on CBS Sunday Morning, uh, the uh, news magazine show, uh, they did a feature on a comic book reader who has read every Marvel comic book uh, ever published, like some 20,000 comics. Yeah. But anyway, I would love to get your take on what's happening, happening with the comic book industry right now. Man, I I couldn't answer. Like I said, I I haven't for the longest time. I haven't, I haven't read anything comics. I know Marvel did what DC didn't and at least, but it's been going on for a while now. They've really switched out the characters. Um, Mm -hmm. The, the people who it's like a new Avengers. It's, Sounds terrible, but it's like a Benetton ad of people anymore. Um, incredible. The Hulk that they got now is a Korean kid. Um, the new Iron Man is Iron Heart, and it's Riri Williams is a younger black girl. Um, mm-hmm. What you'll see in the t- uh, series coming up, I think, Miss Marvel's a Muslim girl. Uh, so they're they're really kind of diversifying, which is great, good for them. I mean, I'm I don't. As a white dude, I've never had an issue with having representation in, in these kinds of mediums. Mm-hmm. So it's like it, they're really going for all that kind of stuff. I mean, the new Thor movie is going to have a female Thor. So it's mm-hmm. uh, kind of there. But other than that, I mean, recently, I'm not sure. But I know Marvel's really going for the uh, diversifying their kind of their their their, their core heroes, it seems all like. Right. right. Well, I as a kid i loved comic books and uh and and as i got older i got into graphic novels and still will pick up a graphic novel from time to time it's a gorgeous medium and i i wish you know it wasn't overlooked by so many people i mean in japan you 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 take a train in japan and 80 percent of the businessmen are reading a comic book yeah yeah it's it's is what they call it over there absolutely yeah. yeah. Yep. So, but here in, in the United States, it's all, always been frowned upon. I'll never forget watching, you know, 1960s, 70s TV, and the mom would always say, "Put that comic book away." Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rotten your, your brain. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> but totally. your kid is reading, and he's reading something he enjoys. Even as, as recently as me, man, I got my butt kicked in school and all the way through high school i got made fun of for being a nerd when you're doing superhero shirt nerd now it's the fucking cool thing i'm like you kids don't understand <laughs> don't understand how hard it was to get this stuff to come out yeah like i sound like back. i'm only 33 but i'm like this like you couldn't do that shit without you know either getting your ass kicked or like being made fun of for like liking those kinds of things you know uh, there you go aaron legend of vox seen it Fucking love yep. that I've watched it's it twice and laughed so good. my ass off. Although you would love show. it too. It's what? funny as hell. It's like it's kind of dirty. It's like uh, it's like Dungeons uh, and Dragons, but like the well, characters are are kind I, of far out there. Also, so. do you remember uh, Ralph Bakshi? Yes, absolutely. Was, uh, uh, Fritz, the cat. Fritz the cat and uh, wizards. Mm-hmm. This is like a riff on that, but kind of modernized and stuff. Oh. It's, it's like yeah. sexy. Yeah. You know, oh, there's yeah. balls and dicks. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's so good, dude. I love that show. <laughs> oh, yeah. I actually just recently uh, recorded on my DVR some of those 1970s adult uh, uh, cartoons like American Pop and yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, Heavy man. Metal. American uh, Pop are... is so good. Yeah. Great these story. Are, 
adult cartoons and there was a, a few of them that I saw in movie theaters, you know, with, yeah. at the Uptown Movie Theater on the north side of Chicago with tons of marijuana smoke uh, in the theater. I felt so at home. Man, yeah. Speaking of adult comics, uh, there's a show that's actually, I just found out yesterday, it's, it's coming out third season, May 20th, called Love, Death, and Robots. Yeah, that's um, great. They're, they're like, the first season's got like 18 episodes, but they're right, like... Was- they're was 10 there a to 20 minutes long. Too, there or? was. Well, okay. yeah, there's a third season. So you'd think there's a okay, second yeah, one. Yeah, I, I missed the, um, I didn't know there was a third season. There's a third season coming out in May, uh, later this month on the 20th. So they're like anywhere. I don't think there's any stats short, but there I haven't come across or at least can't remember any that are over 20 minutes. And it's like yeah. different studios doing, and they're so good. Like they, they start a story and they, go all the way through in like these 15 minutes and there's one in particular that's like 17 minutes and it gets my i watch a thousand times it gets my heart pumping it's it's like so crazy where you know one but that is it's graphic like uh the one I'd, <laughs> my girlfriend was napping on the couch yeah and i was watching it and it got to this next episode and this chick you could see her bush and you can see her butt and her tits, and she's like running and they're bouncing and jiggling, and she rolls over and wakes up. And I'm like, I, I forgot it was this bad. But like, <laughs> other, there's a bunch of nudity in it. There's one that's like 17 minutes long that's fucking killer. It's about um, the war in like Afghanistan and Iraq, somewhere in the Middle East. And there's like the normal American soldiers, but then there's also, I guess the slang term is dog soldiers. They're soldiers, but they're like lichens. They can turn into half Man, dog, killer. half humans. Yeah. Um, and that's got like you know naked dudes in it, but like the animation on some of this is incredible. Hmm. Um, the other ones, the one I was talking about too. Have you seen the first season? Yeah, first season's With the great. Giant robots fighting the aliens. Yeah, and the, the, far- the farmers gets me every time. It's that's like a good the, one too. the animation, the the scenes they play out, and like the actors and the music and everything. It's just like I know it's gonna fucking happen, but I'm still I'm just on the edge of my seat every time. But it's so well done. Which one but, is uh, it? Love, Death, and Robots. Oh, good. I'm watching that. It's good. First season it's, was really good. And, and then, well, like I said, the nice thing about it, too, is is there's short I don't episodes. remember the second season. The second season, I don't. The second season was good. I haven't watched it in a while. But in my head, the first season sticks out more. Oh, yeah. Um, which doesn't yeah. mean the second season one is as good. I, I just don't remember it quite as well. And Yeah. Uh, Heavy metals, the reference back to uh, you know, the Ralph yeah. Patchy and the Vox Machina. Mm-hmm. But that the, the the little gnome that plays the guitar in Box Machina, it's, it's so funny, yeah. man. Yeah. It's like Scanlan's hand. It's like this magical giant hand that yeah. does all this stuff for him. That one's good. Letters. I like that one so quite good. a bit. Yeah, yeah it's funny. Like said, the nice thing about Love Death and Robots is they're small episodes, little chunks, but His songs are hilarious too, Aldo. The yeah. Gnome. It's like mm-hmm. they're dirty and fucking they're like rock anthems with a bunch of dirty lyrics and stuff. Where do I find this? Uh, on, Vox, Amazon, Amazon Prime, Prime. Okay. and uh, Love, Death, and Robots is Netflix. <laughs> I really, I could, I couldn't stop watching Vox Machina. Man, it was so funny. It was I good too. The twice. story was great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's obviously. Wow. Did you see if there's going to be season two yet? <laughs> I, I think so. I don't I'm know. I'm sure there is. I think it's pretty popular. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, really we got a question here from uh, King Pookie Nation who wants to know how long uh, you grow. It took you to grow that beard. Uh, I mean, I've had it for 10 plus years. Uh, I usually don't let it get out this long, but it's been growing in pretty well. So my left side doesn't grow in quite as well as the right, but it's, I've been trimming it up and just kind of keeping it flowing. So this is 
it's, this is not 10 years of growth. Um, I've been letting it grow for the past seven or eight months and it's gotten pretty good. So, um, King Pookie shared with me a picture of him with a a, a beard almost that oh, yeah. length, and he looks wow. exactly like Fidel Castro. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I told him, stay out of Cuban neighborhoods. <laughs> stay out of Cuban neighborhoods. Yeah, it wouldn't be pretty popular over there. <laughs> Tucci, you were going to say something? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I my beard, like when it's dark, it's, it's all patchy, like gray and black. So I let my wife color. She likes this Filipino hair dye. It's way too fucking dark. <laughs> Oh, no. Let's do this thing. So it's like, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Let my wife do it for me, but usually I do it myself. But I mean, she, and then and then while while I was sitting, you know, with it setting, mm -hmm. I, my mom calls me and my son, and they're both arguing and shit. So I forgot how long I had it on. Now it's like fucking. It's like <laughs> that's <jet -lack>. funny. <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I like it though, dude. It looks good. It looks good. Yeah, sure. it's a little dark. I like like kind of like. You can pull it off. You can pull it off. I, I would. I look. It, like, I look way too I young. Add, I'm fucking fifty three years old. So I would add an eye patch though. If you had an eye patch, you'd be one bad motherfucker. Man. Right. I fly you, I fly you to Chicago. So we'd go into some tough yeah. bars. It would, and we'd, be, we'd be safe. I look man. like Falcon Eddie. Remember from Rich Man Poor <laughs> oh, yeah. Man? Eddie Falcon Eddie from Rich Falcon Man Poor Man. Uh, Nick Nolte. I hate uh, yeah, Nick Nolte. Uh, what was the other guy's name? Robert Strauss. Robert Strauss, and I forgot yeah. who played Falconetti. He was always a bad guy. Yes, always a bad guy. Always yeah, a bad guy. It's unfortunate we don't remember his name because uh, he didn't go on to. to... And he fuck. I hated that guy. And he fucking, you know, he fucking got the guy. He fucking did the deed in the end. You're like, God damn it, Falconetti. Uh, rich man, poor uh, man. One of the first television miniseries yeah. ever on ABC TV. Award winning. Uh, award winning. If you're yeah. into that kind of stuff, uh, check it out because I remember it very well. And was I've always wanted to watch it again, but I'm always kind of afraid. Is, is it going to hold up? Yeah, right. exactly. There's something like, that you watch once and then that's enough. Even yeah, though you right. like it a lot. Roots, rich man, poor man, and there was Shogun with Richard Chamberlain. Those are like the early miniseries. That's right. You know, That's the right. birth of the miniseries. Mm -hmm. Right? Absolutely. Those three were the biggies, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, there's there's things like uh, Schindler's List is one of the greatest movies of all time. But, hell no, I'm never going to watch that thing again. No. Why am I going to put myself through that? Yeah. <laughs> I pat myself on the back. I sat through it once. It was outstanding. It was great. Yeah. It was an incredible story. I learned a lot. Uh, that's it. I don't, I don't want to see it again. It's not like yeah. the Terminator 2, where uh, if it's on TV, it, it will now be my 300th time watching. Yeah, locked in. I get you. Oh, man. Yep. <laughs> Guys, any final thoughts before we pull the plug on this episode? Oh, man. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you followed me on Twitter, you were a winner tonight. Memphis Grizzlies mm -hmm. first quarter plus a half point. They won by they won the first quarter by ten points. Man, so I've got I'm getting all my accolades on Twitter. People are instant messaging me. Thanks for the winner. You've been on a streak lately, Mister uh, Dude. That's awesome. I'm like I've been red hot the past two. I've been selling a weekend pass because I'm too busy during the week to hand handicapping takes so much time. It's like yep. you know I I, I got to crunch numbers. I got to look at everything. Then I look at my pick and I think. I'm going to look at this even more in depth of going at who's the pitcher or who's, you know, who's right. the, who's starting, you know, for basketball, whatever, whatnot. And mm -hmm. look at the umpires for baseball, you know, and all this stuff, the pass between two hockey teams, you know, and stuff. But uh, my last, last weekend, it was 23 and 13. 
Nice. Uh, 20, sorry, 23 and 10. And then the weekend before was 24 and 14. So, man, you were like 47 and 24. If you, you're up 20 something units, if you, if you played my, played my cards, there was a time when I was for, for, uh, hockey, I was like 30 and two. Mm-hmm. It's like just unbelievable. Just, I couldn't lose. So now it's so, like, man, still, when you, still when, doing good. Uh, when you're last 30 night, and two, when you're 30 and two, man, after going yep. like, 15 and one or 15 and two i'm taking my money to the bank <laughs> yeah it's always crazy too when people talk about that straight up like i would not have lasted nearly that long Me too. i would have been afraid that's the thing i always watch like games just like oh you could either go for the fifty thousand or you could leave at 25 i'm like i'm fucking taking that 25 dude i would have left at five thousand if i had the chance like i'm gonna i'm not I'm with you <laughs> i'm so with you i uh, haven't I made know- a deposit in DraftKings since October, I think. That's nice. Like the start That's of, awesome. Uh, Good for you. Been on a nice hot streak. Keep building the bankroll up. And, uh, you know, it's like uh, Anthony always tells me that's the partner, my partner I do the show with. And uh, he always says it's a marathon, not a sprint. Mm-hmm. You know, bankroll management, that's super. You know, don't wager more than, you know, a certain small percentage of your bankroll. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you, you're bet. And the fastest way, the, the the fastest way to lose your bankroll is by doing crazy parlays. The fastest mm-hmm. way to build your bankroll is straight wagering. You know, pick your games, whether it's 10 of them, and you might go seven and three or eight and two and nine and one. Or one weekend, I went 10 and one for one of my free, one of my cards for the weekend for one day. It was like 10 and one. And I had one client who, uh, he was like, oh, I lost money. I was like, dude, how the hell did you lose money? I was 10 and one. You should be up eight units minimum. He was like, well, I parlayed all your plays. I'm like, dude. Bad news. You're asking me to go 11 and 0. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was 10 and 1. It's like, think about it, man. If you played, played 100 bucks on, you know, each one of those plays, you're up 900 bucks. Mm-hmm. So, wow. I don't know. Some people, they don't know. They're just, they're just they got to parlay everything. Because they don't like, you know, paying a little juice. And that's like yeah. not how you're going to win. Because right. the, the books love when you do like a parlay because the more legs in your parlay, the more the more chance you're going to lose. One of them's I've, gonna I've learned that the hard way, too. Yeah. So did I. So did I. You know, I love, uh, especially during college basketball, I'm like, bam, bam. I got 10 teens, 10 teens in here for $5. It's 500 bucks. You know? Uh. So. Nomad says he's just gonna have us all in the corner selling our asses. Oh man, <laughs> I love it. Hey, uh, by the way, Swanky's gonna be in town, and he, so he wants to know Lou Malnati's or Giordano's. Uh, I, I'm assuming both of you guys had had each, right? I've oh, yeah. had Giordano's, I haven't had Lou's. Lou's is on my bucket list next time. I want to get to Portillo's and I want to get to Lou's. There you go. What about you? So, so here's the thing, uh, they're both good. It depends on what you like. I mean, uh, uh, Lou Malnati's has the butter crust. It's almost like it's almost like it's almost like a cookie crust, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, this these we're talking deep dish pizza. Mm-hmm. So you eat it more like a pie. It comes out like a triangle. You need a knife and fork. You're not like you know picking up like a slice of triangle, folding it like you're in New York or anything. So uh, uh, and then you know, uh, uh, Lou Malnati's has got. Uh, you know that butter crust, and then they've got a really kind of tangy, chunky tomato sauce, which I I really like. And then Giordano's is a little bit different. It's more like a pie. It's more like a uh, uh, a pie crust than uh, you know that butter crust, like a cookie. Right. You know, it's more like a pie crust. And then they have a they have a really good uh, 
uh, like fillings and toppings with like nice vegetables and and uh, a more uh, traditional pizza sauce, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and when when Lou Malnati does like their their deep dish, it's like a disc of sausage, mm-hmm. you know, underneath that, you know, cheese and tomato sauce on top and stuff. So it's like. It, I, I kind of I like Lou's. I don't know why. I just kind of like the taste. But I also love Jordal's. We have one here in Des Moines, you know. So it's really the only place we I were can supposed get to get from. one here in fucking Omaha years ago. They had a they had a countrywide thing. It's like I don't remember how you voted. You could vote, and wherever whoever gets the most votes will build right. Giordano's in that city, Omaha. They were in the city touring for locations, and they never heard anything. They actually got sick of me on Twitter. Because oh, like wow. every month or so, I'd be like, "So, Giordano's, you coming to Omaha?" And literally, the last time they replied to me was something like, "We already told you, we're still scouting for locations." <laughs> so they remembered me. <laughs> I guess not bad enough, but like, yeah, uh, no, they never uh, ended up showing up. To me, the best deep dish is is uh, Pequod's. I don't know if Aldo, do you know P- Pequod's Pizza? I've heard of that one, Aldo? It's very good. It's I went very- there one time, man. They have like the caramelized cheese crust. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it takes like used to have used to uh the original owner of Pequod's course sold it, you know, and it was like his it was the original one was in his house in Morton Grove. I don't know. Have you been to the Morton Grove one, Aldo? Mm, I don't think so. It's like it's like his house, you know. So like you, you the dining room is like his big living room, you know, and, and then there's a, like an extension onto the house where like the bathroom and the kitchen and a few extra tables are that kind of slopes downward, you know. It's mm-hmm. like if you're walking around there, it's this old house in Morton Grove. But that's the original Pequod's excellent deep dish. I mean, like freaking, like blow your mind deep dish Chicago. And then uh, he sold Pequod's. They opened a, they opened like a fancy Pequod's on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park. And then he started his own called Burt's. That was the owner, who, you know. And he he his each one of his Burt's pizzas you have to like call ahead. It's like a week in advance, and it's like I don't, I don't know how much is one pizza is like fifty or a hundred bucks. And he mm-hmm. like hand makes it, you know, and then you come and pick it up and stuff. But uh, I never got to have Burt's, but the original Pequod's, man, when I was younger, that was fucking killer. That I used to live in Glendew. Right. Let me recommend, uh, uh, Tooch, I'm betting that you have never had the oven pizza grinder. On uh, I haven't had that one, but there used to be, uh, God, what was the name of that place? Like Marchetti's oh. oven grinders. Well, remember, awesome. take a look at these images from the oven pizza grinder. Oh. Again, it is in. Wait. Uh, in yes, the- I, that's that dish. Yeah. What's yes. the name of that place? Oven pizza grinder. Yeah. Yeah. I have been there one time. Yeah. I and mean, it took forever to get in. Yeah, exactly. It's downstairs in a in a, a, a brownstone. Absolutely. Yeah, you, you know, have to, into the garden apartment and stuff. They gotta like you know. Right. One guy comes out and he remembers everybody. He's got like a photographic memory. You're next. You're next. He comes out and he finds you. Out of a fucking hundred people, he finds your group, and he goes, "You come, yeah, right." And then they bake that little thing in a bowl. Yeah, it's like they bake it in a bowl. Top. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is phenomenal. Yeah, is that it's very good. Powder? Yeah, sometimes there'll be like a, an entire uh, mushroom in it, depending on you know what what you get. But it, yeah, it is, smells awesome in there yeah, too. There, you there's walk a mushroom. In, like, yeah, there's oh. It is right. <laughs> hey, Aldo, is that Walter Payton's daughter? Yeah, I think Might it is. Be. I think that is kind of yeah, uh, not doing Connie, like a um, culinary tour of Chicago. Yes, yes, she's been on uh, Brittany. Yeah, Brittany. Yes, she's talented. Yeah. She's very good at this show yeah. and a, a number of other things. I've seen her. Yeah. She's great. Wasn't she on Check Please too? 
Yes, she was. I think she was on check, please. Yeah, I think you're right. Anyway, uh, Oven Pizza Grinder, if yeah. you – I would only suggest you go there if you've got some time because, as Tooch said, there is a long line. They have been yep. – uh, they've stayed true to themselves. I think this is their only location, um, but it's yep. it's yep. an experience. And uh, you're not rushed out of there. You order your pizza. No, you have no. some drinks and stuff. It's a really, really That's good time. Cool. Yeah. It also takes forever to get your fucking pizza. <laughs> yeah, I imagine. It, it, it there forever, man. But it's worth the wait. It's worth the wait, definitely. It, look at that. It's piping hot, though. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. I want one right yeah. now. It's the smell. <laughs> the smell in that place is fucking amazing. Oh, you walk in, you're like, oh, the aroma. Yeah. Italian food. Just mm-hmm. on steroids. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Aaron, uh, anything you want to share with us before we pull the plug? Uh, no, man. I appreciate you having me on. I love coming on and chatting with you guys. It's always a blast. Well, it won't be the last. We'll be doing it again soon. And uh, I just want to let people know that uh, tomorrow's uh, schedule is loaded. It all starts at 2 p.m. with Bardon Hockey Talk. And you can bet that uh, the Parisi brothers and Frank Mueller will also talk about the Bears draft to share their thoughts on it uh, before they – Get to talking about the NHL playoffs. Then, if you are a casual fan of the NHL, this is the time that you've been waiting for because NHL playoff hockey, Stanley Cup hockey, is so exciting. I was watching um, uh, yeah. one of the games the other night. It was so good. And um, so that's at 2 p.m. At what, what the hell do we have at? Oh, uh, at 7 p.m., it's the uh, 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 Ross and Reed show. Excuse me, the Ross and Reed, the Mac and Reed show. Uh, Mm-hmm. Their third or fourth episode, so they will be reviewing the draft in depth and talking about a little bit of Chicago sports. And I'm learning that these guys are are hip hop aficionados, so they like to talk about what's going on in the hip hop scene. Uh, so that's an hour show that starts at 7 p.m. and then at 9 p.m. more science fiction talk. Cliff Victoria's maybe favorite show at the bar room. Cliff is. Uh, in the chat room every week uh, to hear oh. the guys talk about uh, Marvel movies and stuff. Cliff really Very appreciate nice. the support of that show. So that's our schedule for tomorrow on Wednesday. And of course, you can find all of these shows here on the YouTube Barroom Network archives and also most of them on our audio platforms, which you can find anywhere. Just type in Barroom Network. You guys are the best. Tooch, Aaron, so great to have you with us today. Thank and, you. Thank uh, you. And for Dan Aguirre and myself, this is it. Uh, Dan and all the better souls will be back next week. Take care, everybody.